CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW was going to, and they were trying to sign it. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sanhagen, but I I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sanhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. The Aldermaine Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh God, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Man Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Boxing. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake, because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a while so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. I have them this weekend. I'm just going to let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Viking jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. He didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just like the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful, 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 Stephen Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RBD Tito for Life. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The Marksman have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 64. Um, a lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, a lot of uh, AEW news, a lot of uh, crazy UFC upset, by the way, that we need to talk about. Um, 
just uh, we're going to get into the Kenny Omega returning. We're going to get into CM Punk. We're definitely going to get into CM Punk and Hangman Page backstage beef. We're going to talk about CM Punk and Moxley. There's just a, a lot of stuff that we need to uh, get into. And Johnny Gargano uh, returned sure. to WWE. I mean, like, you, you know, know, I I don't want to talk about that just yet, Stephen, because <laughs> this 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 could be the end. I'm I'm hearing this from some people that this is this is going to be the end of AEW oh, because right. they signed Johnny Gargano. So right. I'm. I'm a little worried now, and you know they got Carrying Cross, they got Scarlet, they have uh, Johnny Gorgano now. You got know, Dexter the, Loomis. I mean, Dexter Loomis. They're definitely bigger than CM Punk and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson and Cesaro. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely uh, getting getting me worried here. Um, no, no, it's not, and. <laughs> This isn't a war, people. Like, the thing is, is I'm we're just jump right into it. I guess the thing is, is WWE had no future. Like, their outlook was just gonna be the same thing that we saw for years and years and years. Now they have new ownership. There's things to look forward to. There's things now where you're actually like, oh, I could get into that feud or, oh, they can actually talk about wrestling and they're going to focus on wrestling. Well, then I'm going to watch it like this is not some ridiculous war and all these people like AEW was invented because WWE was bad. No doubt about it. But they have done enough to establish themselves on their own that. They're important now, no matter what. They're, they weren't here just because Vince was here, and now that Vince is gone, they're they're just gonna go away. This is now going to be a a battle each week for our attention. Like that's just what this will be for now on, and I'm totally fine with that. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't want Johnny Gargano, and it has nothing to do with Johnny Gargano. It's just there's not enough room for Johnny Gargano, and on top of that. He's a better fit in WWE if Triple H is running WWE. It makes way more sense for him to go to, to WWE. So I'm happy for Johnny Gorgano. I'm looking forward to seeing what his future holds in the WWE. I feel like if Ciampa's in the WWE, then Johnny Gorgano should be in the WWE. This isn't some, you know, crazy idea or all of a sudden the war now is, uh, you know, give it all to the WWE. They've got all the momentum now. It's it's ridiculous how some people are categorizing this whole thing. Yeah, um, I feel, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Like, I really didn't need Johnny Organo in AEW for the same reason. There's plenty of talent already in, in AEW. I'm fine with them continuing to add to that if the right people are available. But Johnny Gargano would come there and he'd have really good matches. And, like, that would be great. But at the same time, if Triple H is going to let wrestlers have good matches on Raw, then, like, he can have good matches on Raw. Like, it makes complete sense for him to stay there. So, I yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, for Honestly, wrestling fans from all sides, like, or whatever companies you're into or whatever, should all be really happy right now. Like, this is a giant win for everyone. Like, now we're, we're seeing the WWE product improving and wrestlers actually wanting to stay in the WWE rather than going somewhere else because there's like actually an optimistic feel that things are changing and Gargano can be a part of the change. That's, that's awesome. And he's not the only one that this is going to, I mean, 
Dexter Loomis already came back, I guess. And there's there's been some others carrying cross, but like we'll see more people. We're going to see people going both sides. I mean, it's going to continue to happen. Um, Doug looks like he's uh, he's having some internet issues. He was having some internet internet issues before we went live. Um, let's see if we can get that fixed. But see what's going on in the chat. No, I'm going to move this so I'm not like splitting the screen. There you go. How about that? Hello, everybody. Steven Jensen here. Go ahead and ask me ask me some questions, y'all. If you have super chats, feel free. I'll definitely answer, and uh, I'll have Doug answer when he gets back as well. John Gorman, Steven, you ready for football? I'm very ready for football. My Minnesota Vikings gear as we speak. Um, And if you haven't, uh, if you guys didn't know already, me, Doug, and our friend Rob Wilkins, we're doing Fightful's football weekly show for Fightful. It's going to be on the Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. It'll be every Saturday starting September 3rd, 11 a.m. Eastern. <clears throat> That'll be one hour, and it goes right into Grapsity if y'all are a fan of Grapsity on Fightful. Let's see. Hey, Steve, Mox is still terrible. Much love, buddy. Hey, we can agree to disagree. Much love, though. Appreciate you joining us in the chat every week, man. Really do. Um, Let's see. There's Doug here. I'm going to switch this up real quick. All right, let's see if this okay. works any better. Bam. All right, I don't know what happened. And I couldn't hear a word you said, Stephen, so I'm sorry about that. Thanks for everybody for still hanging in there. We're having some technical difficulties, but uh, let's see if this works any better. Nice. Oh, this guy, Ryan from Battleson. What's up, Ryan? I completely forgot to follow up with you about GCW. I was there on sat on Sunday or Saturday, but I met Ryan at, um, at Battleslam. Nice guy. It was a fun show. Um, Yeah, pretty much... Uh, I just echoed what you said, actually, for the most part. Like, I I don't think Gargano, for everyone who already heard, I'll just paraphrase. I don't think Gargano is the best fit in AEW right now. Anyways, I think he's he would have had good matches there. But if Triple H will ha let him have good matches in WWE, then, like, he can have good matches there now instead. And it's a good fit for him. So I think it works out great for everybody. And the real winner is the fans. Like, fans of all wrestling win. Because if wrestlers like, like Johnny Gargano that wanted or were willing to leave the company prior are now seeing the change and willing to come back. That's really positive for the future for the WWE of them being able to scout people to continue to get better talent to keep coming over. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be better for the wrestlers and the fans overall that we're seeing guys like Gargano going back. And I didn't watch Raw last night, but I do want to check some of it out because I heard it was a really good show. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, no. And I mean, there's there's just a lot more stuff that you got to pay attention to more on WWE that you're hearing about. It's not like it's one of those things where you could just like there's nothing to watch on there. Every now and then there's segments that you hear about, and it's basically been like every week there's been something like that's been pretty good. So I'm uh, I'm all for it. I'm I'm you know there's a lot of people that think that I don't want the WWE to do well. I mean. I spent my money to go to WrestleMania. You know what I mean? It's not like I just absolutely hate the company. It's just 
I hated the direction that it was uh, that it had been going for the longest time. And now that that's changed, it's definitely worth watching. You know what I mean? So for sure. Um, especially if you're going to focus on wrestling. I think it's funny though, right? Because if Johnny Gorgano signed with W or with AEW, immediately people would make fun of his size, another vanilla midget or whatever they want to call him, like talking all this crap about him and, and talking about how, like what happened to real men in wrestling and all this stuff. And then he goes to WWE and it's fine. Like, I think that triple H is also going to change the culture of wrestling to where it's not just a big guy sport. And uh, I, I feel like there's just a lot of people that have had a hard time adapting to that idea that one, the top guy doesn't have to be a guy that you think can kick everyone's ass. You know what I mean? A lot of this now is performance-based, and I think that people struggle with that idea. Well, I mean, it's funny because I have to live on both sides of that idea constantly when I watch AEW because – I know for a fact that CM Punk isn't a badass oh, for real. 100%. And he's and he's the AEW World Champion. And I'm fine with him being the AEW World Champion because his stories in AEW since returning to wrestling have been awesome. And the matches have totally paid off. But like, there's no better example of like, obviously not an actual badass than CM Punk. You know, and he's... Well, and what's funny is... Champion. What's funny is, is Punk's character has to be a badass, Right. right. Cause he talks so much crap and he's like, you know, don't make me punch you in the face. And you're just like, dude, I know what this, what this looks like. Like you're not fooling anyone. So, but you think business wise, it makes sense for business. And I, and I just think that that's the evolution of the pro wrestling fan and the pro wrestling business is that, not everything has to be the size of Wardlow and Miro and all this other stuff. And box office attractions became a Floyd Mayweather at 147 pounds. Conor McGregor was at his peak at 145. Like it's it's just been basically it's it's about characters, charisma, and what you can bring to the table. And I think that that changes wrestling a lot. And I think that there's so many old school people that can't let go of that idea. But I'll say this, and I know it's bad for pro wrestling right now. But honestly, if you have a problem with that, I don't recommend you watching. I know there's so many people that watch wrestling out of habit and they hate watch it. And it's like, just don't watch it anymore. It's not for you anymore. Go watch yeah. the UFC. Go watch something else. Go watch real sports that you like. Like, you don't have to watch this because you grew up watching it as a kid. You can find happiness in other ways because the pro wrestling scene has completely changed. And it's not going back to the big men. It's just not. And, and I think people have to let that go. Sure, and I think that can still be mixed in. Like, I think you're still going to get a handful of people. Like, I was talking about this with Rob and Jeremy a little bit earlier, but basically, like, it's really, really more so about than anything. It's about connecting with uh, the fans. Like, that's really the number one most important thing in all of it. it like, because Hulk Hogan, people can say what they will about Hulk Hogan now, but like, Anyone who's a pro wrestling fan, unless you got into it like John Cena era, you grew up a Hulk Hogan fan to some degree. And it was because, like, 
all he all he had to do even even in like 2002 when he came back and he was just punching and kicking pretty much and doing a leg drop like that was like all but every time he threw a punch the fans went crazy for it like so it made sense to make him the world champion he, even though he was old and he was you know getting out of his prime and but it was, it was that connection with the fans so at, at the end of the day like I don't care what the wrestler looks like. If they're getting reactions like that, I think that's really, that's the key to all of it. And then, you know, but, but the question really is how do you get over now with what fan base? And like, now I think the best yeah. way to get over is by having great matches. You know, it isn't so much about the character anymore. It feels like for the most part, it feels like who can, for at least for me, it's like, it's a combination of all of it, but like who can really go in the ring but I don't really, like, I want storylines that are interesting, of course, but, yeah. but like, I, I'm way more interested in like ordering a pay-per-view and just seeing like 10, just really good matches, you know, that like, that are culminations of a story. So, yeah. Well, and like, I, I somewhat struggle with like, what do people want? Because I grew up in the Hogan era, right? Yeah. I grew up with the big men. I grew up with old school wrestling and I've, I, but I also love current day wrestling. Like I love it all. And so I don't understand this. It has to be this way and that's it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me because I would have paid, I'll pay money to see Hulk Hogan. I'd pay money to see Will Ospreay, two completely different wrestlers. Right. But I enjoy them so much and I enjoy them for different reasons. But like with Hogan, it was just like the connection, like his eyes, the confidence, like he was like, I'm your guy and I am going to go out there and win for you because you believe in Hulkamania. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like he was like the poster boy of Hulkamania and like having a hero that you knew was going to come out on top eventually. Like you never had like any doubt that Hogan was going to go down. Like even if he took a loss, you knew eventually he was going to take the W. You know what I mean? He knew like, that too. It, exactly. Yeah, he, and, he, and knew, he knew that. Doesn't work for me, yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but but you don't know that as a kid, right? right like yeah, of course. I, I didn't know anything about Terry Belay. I only knew Hulk Hogan, and so. Um, but like, you can't you can't take away these guys' accomplishments. You can't take away what they meant to the business, and you can't act like that their way was the only right way either. Like, this is a connection with the audience business. That's really what this is about. But I will say, me personally, storylines, great wrestling, great promos. Is the is the way that I like pro wrestling. Like that's yeah. that's my favorite part of pro wrestling. Now, whatever way that it gets you there, and it's the same thing in MMA. Honestly, it's the same thing in boxing. You really want to get people invested, really get a great storyline that people can really get into, right? Like Israel Adesanya's fight coming out coming up like this is an up and coming or I mean he's like the new star at 185 he looks unbeatable blah 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 but then they go back and they go into this kickboxing world and this guy beat him knocked him out and so the idea that he's going into MMA where he's undefeated in the UFC and has earned a shot at Israel like that's a storyline that you just can't 
make up. It's perfect. And there's storylines like that all the time in, in MMA. And there needs to be storylines like that in pro wrestling. And right now, with the whole CM Punk hangman, with what's going on with MJF, what's going on with CM Punk and Moxley, what's a shoot, what's a work, like we don't know what's is Kenny Omega and Osprey been working us this whole time to set up something like what what is the end game on all this stuff like it's just constantly guessing but I like that and I want AEW to focus more on that stuff than not just strictly wrestling because I think that it just gets repetitive and people need something more to invest in long term that makes them love the pro wrestling. But there was also a story of why they decided to watch this, which is why I think CM Punk versus MJF was such a huge hit when it came to the storyline, the buildup, the pay-per-view, all of it. Yeah, I think that one of the things that might screw with that a little bit might be the rankings too. Like the fact that they always have to like find a way of making the rankings make sense. Like I think that might kind of get that might get in the way of like making better better stories. I don't I don't think they'll keep the rankings for much longer. I just have like a gut feeling that eventually now we're seeing more and more of those like eliminator mat like eliminator matches and stuff like that. And you know, um I think it was I think you it's know, a smart idea on paper, like for fans like us who are like sports based fans. I like the concept of the idea, but I think it gets in the way of, of maybe doing better stories. It kind of reminds me of like when Bellator was stuck in the tournament days, but the yeah. fights that made the most sense were like the big money fights that they just <laughs> yes. needed to skip the rankings to get to. Perfect example. Yeah. That's what I kind of think that they're in. Also, I've never been a fan of their rankings because I think guys have to, a win is not the same if, if you beat Danhausen on Dark as if you beat Andrade on Dynamite. Like there has to be a certain level of an opponent so if you beat the number one contender or a guy in the top five then and you were down at the bottom you weren't even ranked then you've got to be able to move up and that shouldn't just count as just one win you know and i feel like that they've done that a lot like where all of a sudden you're watching and you're like so billy gunn is 17 and oh like how did that happen like (laughs) i don't i don't know any of that stuff you know what i mean so i i think that uh that it's not been handled the best in general. I also think it was an idea that they had when the company very first started and the company is just completely different at this point. I mean, completely yeah. different. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right about that. Cause like back then it also could have been a device to like show the progression through rankings of people like jungle boy and Joey Janela and like those kind of people that were like in the company that, had like an indie following, but like didn't like the, like the mainstream audience didn't really know it, you know, and they don't really need that now because their, their roster is just stacked at this point. Everyone knows who most of these people are, you know, and when they don't, it's hilarious. I, I think the reactions are so funny when somebody debuts and they don't, and like the, like the fans don't get it or like some people on Twitter don't get it. It's a, uh, it's, well, and then they tried to have like, well, WWE <laughs> should explain why it's important that Johnny Gorgano is back. Like, uh, you're just actually saying because you don't know who Johnny Gorgano is and why this is a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that I think at this point we know that this is a pretty niche audience and 
that not everything needs to be explained to people. And if Johnny Gorgano has like a feud with somebody or something, then yeah, you can bring that up. But for the most part, if you've been following pro wrestling, you should know who he is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and it's funny because it does go both. Like, it's, I, you said earlier about how Gargano resigning with WWE, people didn't like complain about his size and all that stuff because that totally happened to when Adam Cole signed at AEW. 100%. Like, all the WWE fans just went, but I mean, I shouldn't say all the WWE fans, but there's a, there's like a portion of the fan base that, it's just like ready to jump at that kind of stuff just for the sake of like causing arguments. But well, and I like know. I said, we don't need to be in a war. Like they're no, not sure. even on the same time. Like it's just, they, they have their spot and AEW has their spot and it, they're both going to be competing for our attention because like at the end of the day, cable keeps dying because people are finding other things to do with their time that, you are not owed wrestling anything. You don't owe wrestling anything. Wrestling has to give you something that you want to watch. That is their duty. That as a company is they have to produce a product enough that you want to see it. And if you don't want to see it, then that's on them. So it, it, and when you watch AEW weekly, it's usually at a point to where there's something going on that you want to see live not even on DVR that you want to invest and see live. The fact that next, that tomorrow we get CM Punk versus John Moxley for the title, like that's kind of crazy. But I do think it's pretty cool the fact that like it's just must see TV. And then you're going to get my boy Will Ospreay back on AEW. People are hoping to God that they could somehow win so we can get some type of Kenny Omega, Osprey, something in the, the next match in the tournament. Um, I just think that there's a lot. We also have Jericho confronting Daniel Garcia, which definitely seems like it's leading to Garcia joining the Blackpool Combat Club, which is where he should have been the whole entire time. Um, and then that makes me also wonder, does Jericho get a new member and who would that member be? There's there's compelling television, and if MJF's coming back, tomorrow might be a pretty good night for that to happen. So yeah, there, there's a lot going on in AEW. The fact that people are trying to act like AEW is dead right now, if anything, they're getting their momentum back. They have been through a huge injury bug, a summer layoff, where they're just trying to maintain and hold out for these big shows coming up, and now we're here. So this is a great time to be an AEW fan. This is a great time to watch AEW. And this is a good time to watch WWE as well. Like, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you should definitely find something you enjoy. It's kind of funny. It's like kind of ironic how, when you think about it, a lot of the a lot of the fans that are probably mainly of, like, the ages of people that would, like, really be fighting for the WWE, like, in that way, like, that would be, like, really uh, – like really upset about anything AEW does. They're probably of like the age of people that got into wrestling after like the Monday Night Wars and everything. It's probably mainly yeah. like, you know, like Batista, Cena, Punk, yep. like era, like fans that are that are like big WWE fans now and like their their late teen years, early twenties and whatnot. And they're they're passionately WWE fans, but the irony there is they don't even know what it was like to have 
the options and companies, how awesome that was for us. They don't like, know what it was like, like to be number two. Yeah, no, I know. They've yeah, only yeah. been number one. Like that's right. all that they've ever known. And so they don't know but, what that's like to be number two. But I'm not even saying, no, I, I know what you, I know what you mean. Yes. But because yeah, WCW was number one for a while, but what I mean more so is like how awesome it was as fans. Like, cause we had all those options. Like that was like when I, like when I was watching WCW, ECW and WWF, I wasn't sitting there like, man, I hope, I hope WCW is out of business. So it was just WWF. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I wanted all these companies to exist because it was awesome. For sure. For <laughs> like, sure. like the only, the only war that there was, was the unpredictability of like, who would show up on what show? Like, you know, somebody's contract winds up and they're now showing up at a different company and stuff like unannounced, like that kind of stuff. And once again, the fans won. Like this wasn't something where, and also the internet, there was no social media like this. So fans were just fans and you watched what you watched. There was no like centralized place for the most part to like, now, now it's just hilarious how these fans want to squash anything that they don't like. But at the same time, it's like, you probably would like a lot more of this if you just open your mind up to it. And there, it's not hurting anything by this existing. Like the bigger AEW gets, the bigger WWE is going to get. Cause just more people are watching wrestling. More people are going to potentially watch WWE if they're watching AEW. Like, yeah, it's 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 hilarious to me that like how how tribal people have gotten on like defending these companies when this is like the best time ever to be a wrestling fan <laughs> like you should just right. enjoy it well and it's like it just depends right like if you're not into the actual performance based wrestling of wrestling matches and all this stuff it's not the best time for to be a wrestling fan for people but like if you have been into the grind this whole time and you're all about great matches and promos and interesting storylines that could possibly lead to something bigger. Um, I think it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. So it really just depends on how you feel about the current day pro wrestling, I guess you would say. But I, I really think that AEW just needs to kind of hunker down and focus on the talent that they have and really try to tell stories with great wrestling. And I think that things would be a lot more, uh, just more cleaner. It's not as scattered. It's not as like, well, that's kind of random. Why are they doing that or whatever? And then there's times where you just know, like these people are being put on just because they don't have enough TV time and they're trying to figure out how to fit enough people on TV. And I, and I think that, and it's weird too, because I really don't feel like that this would have even happened if WWE didn't fire like close to 200 people and ROH yeah. didn't go out of business and everything else. Like you can't blame Tony Khan for having all these free agents available and you're starting a wrestling company you want to be able to stack your roster and make sure that it's going to be a healthy roster. So even if you have injuries, you still have people there and all that stuff. But I do think there needs to be more people that when the contracts expire, it's just not working out. Thanks for what you've done and, you know, move on somewhere else and kind of scatter it out. Cause you know, like a funny thing is too, is, you know, I was watching the A and E DX documentary thing. And I remember live, like, I know you're an Xbox fan, but yeah. like, I remember live 
I was uh, I was watching and I I couldn't believe they were treating X Pac like a big deal. And then when he was like, "And Hulk Hogan, you suck," and I was just like, "Dude, yeah. you are like at the very bottom. Like, what are we doing?" But then the way that they booked it and had the New Age Outlaws merge with DX and then they took out Chainsaw Charlie, Terry Funk, and Mick Foley with chairs and they looked like killers. And it was just like, oh. Like, WWE had a way that when talented people finally were able to debut on Raw or SmackDown or WWE in general, like – they were all of a sudden used in the right way and people were extremely behind them. And it was just like a breath of fresh air of like, Oh, this is what I knew this guy could be or whatever. I feel a lot like AEW was doing that as well. And then it just got so overcrowded where it's like, like if you look at Miro, the best he's ever looked, period, has been when Miro was like his TNT title reign, right? Yep. And I'm talking through his Rusev and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yep. The best. And I can't say that about Andrade. I, I don't like the whole in his business suit and all that stuff. Like, I just think he needs to be much more of a focus more of being a wrestler and not necessarily this character that hasn't really worked at all. Because I think his best stuff was in NXT. Um, Malachi Black is a, I'm a little bit mixed on. Like I feel like he could be bigger. I absolutely loved his presentation as Aleister Black in NXT. His entrance, the song was so badass. Like he was awesome. Um, so there's been like a mixed bag of how they've been using certain guys. But like I said, there's also positives too, right? Like. Cesaro's ROH champion right now, or Claudio is ROH champion right now. Um, you know, uh, John Moxley, I mean, this is it, it is night and day difference between Dean Ambrose and John Moxley. Uh, Daniel Bryan is awesome in WWE, but he was way, way watered down. I mean, now the man has just they give him free reign and he just goes crazy out there. So it's just it's a mixed bag, you know what I mean? But I I personally feel and now that Kenny has come back, um I personally feel like the AEW brand should still be pretty much focused on the elite. Like I just feel like if that is your bread and butter. And if you have the elite mixed in with the big stars like a CM Punk, like a Brian Danielson, like a John Moxley, and you mix those together, then I think you're in the best shape you can for AEW. Yeah. Yeah. I want to live in a world where like the elite has like all the AEW titles and Cody is the WWE champion at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. I think it could happen too. Yeah. You know? If they ever referenced it in any way. I mean, you know, on AEW, they would. I saw on, on BTE this week, uh, Kenny, how they always have, like, stuff on people's phones when they're on BTE. Yep. Kenny had a picture of Cody's face on his phone this past week. Yep. Um, so, yeah, love it. Yeah, and I mean, it just also rewards the fans that have been watching for such a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
We had a couple guys, of supercasts. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, if you haven't, please, please smash that like button. We've got 50 people in here right now. So we definitely appreciate if you smash that like button. Um, let us know your thoughts. Let us know how you're feeling about AEW right now. Do you think AEW's falling off? Like, there's a lot of people that feel like that they've definitely lost a lot of momentum. There's people that are really excited about the future as well. How do you feel about the WWE? Because I think the WWE's in good shape. I can see gradual steps where they're getting better, but I'm not like this is a can't miss show. I have to tune in every week or all this stuff. I I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tuning in every week. Uh, I'll pay attention to kind of what's going on on Twitter and on my timeline. And then uh, I'll, I'll try to catch the pay-per-views. That's kind of how I've been going with WWE right now. Uh, but this one's for you, Steven. Thanks cactus. I appreciate the super chat. Uh, will you watch WWE now? Um, so I probably won't watch weekly. I'm getting more interested though. When Cody comes back, Potentially, yes. Um, I would say my perfect scenario is WWE just gradually keeps getting better and gets more momentum. Like, and this is coming once again from a very massive AEW fan. Like, I want WWE to keep getting better and keep getting hotter and hotter, better stories. I want people just I'm seeing a lot of positive stuff on Twitter about it. And I am gonna watch some of uh, some of Raw actually uh tomorrow. I'm gonna catch up on some of it, which is I have not done in a long time. Um, so uh, I just, I, you know, what I'm hoping is by the time that Cody comes back, WWE's in like really, really good shape, and then that way I can just jump back in and like hopefully I'll watch every Monday. Like I'd, I'd like, I'd like to watch every Monday and enjoy Raw. Like trust me, all I just it's tough when you don't like something and you're watching it for three hours at a time. Like at a certain point, you just like Doug said, I'm not gonna sit there and just hate watch something. Like I, I feel like I've had a good break off of it the last couple years, and. Like watching once a month on pay-per-view, I've really enjoyed every pay-per-view for the most part that I've watched yeah. the last couple of years. Pretty um, solid. Yeah. So like I but the big key for me is when Cody returns. Like I'm gonna be there for Cody's run to the WWE championship. So for sure. And yeah. what we'll and you'll hear us for anyone out there who ever complains about us not talking about WWE enough or not put you know shining the right light on it. When Cody's back and when Cody's back, we're gonna talk about WWE a lot. So, you know, yeah, yeah, we will. And I mean, we, we still like I, I feel like that we've been talking probably like the last six months, like on pretty much almost to like where WrestleMania started and Cody jumped ship. Yeah. We have been focusing a lot on WWE. This has definitely not just been a strictly AEW show. So um, and we've given them their props when they've had good things. I think hands down, the WWE has had far better women's matches than AEW this year. I don't even think it's sure. close. Um, I, I feel like that the WWE has a way better women's division than AEW. Um, I feel like that there's been some very compelling storylines in WWE, whether it's been Cody and Seth Rollins, that was a great feud and, yeah. and, uh, into every single match because it felt like Cody would eventually have to lose and he just kept winning and they kept dragging it out all the way to a hell in the cell. And Cody had that amazing uh match and and just showed so much courage and heart to push through and uh so yeah good stuff there i'm enjoying kevin owens actually getting built up again and possibly gonna have that main event title run again would be nice um i've enjoyed the kevin owens stone cold stuff was so great i had so much fun at wrestlemania wrestlemania that was the best wrestlemania i'd ever been to live so uh, a lot of good things to say about WWE. Does it 
overall really excite me? No, but could it eventually? Yes. Um, and would I stay loyal to AEW? No, AEW, no matter what, even if it started to suck. No, like I'm. Look here at the to history of this whatever. channel. Like Doug didn't go down with the TNA shit. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> not at all. And we we knew when it was starting to fall apart. Like that's not what we were about. And when we we trashed Ring of Honor, and then Bill was heavy in the ring of honor right and then we both were heavy in the ring of honor and uh we I, I think 2016 was a great year for pro wrestling it's one of my favorite years in pro wrestling ever and that was when like nxt was really strong wwe had aj styles and they were having crazy matches like there was a lot of good stuff that happened in wwe in 2016 so um, I just I'm here for for all of it, man. And if it's good, it's good. Whether that's New Japan, whether that's ROH, whether that's Impact Wrestling, WWE, AEW, it doesn't matter to me. If it's good, it's good. Um, but it also depends on presentation. Like when you're seeing top tier stuff like AEW and WWE and high high production value and and a great roster, great wrestlers. It, why do I want to watch Impact Wrestling if I can only have so much time and I have I'm getting a lot of good stuff from them too? You know what I mean? Like you have that's why Impact Wrestling needed to push people like Ace Austin and to have match of the year type shows for people to actually say like I'm gonna go ahead and give it a shot. Like you you like I said these pro wrestling fans. They don't owe you anything. You have to earn it. And there's so much pro wrestling going on right now that if you're not bringing it, you are going to get left behind. Got a couple other super chats here. Awesome. Awesome. The mystery 86. Oh, I, hate, oh, I hate these kind of questions. I know you do. We, you don't we, have to we, answer. We, I appreciate the super chat though. Doug will answer this. I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly say, I don't like doing it strictly. A lot of it has to do with because of like, like places I work and stuff like that. I don't want to be that guy who's like, you know, I just don't. I don't want to throw names out there. You like could that. possibly run but into these people. And I you could never legitimately know if they see this, so, so I I totally understand. Yeah. So, but I'll say like I I'm not ignorant to the 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 fact that like AEW has a lot of people on the roster and like they're not going to have all those people forever like and people will have their contracts run out and stuff like that like so i just want to throw that out there i'm not one of those people that thinks like aw should hire everybody and no one should ever leave and no everyone should always have their contracts extended all that stuff that's you know but i don't want to throw any names out there doug's gonna have no problem doing that i'll be right back while doug does that i'll, I'll come back in a second all right I, i've got to think about this um who, who who would you guys want to uh move on from Go ahead and post it in the chat who who you think AEW needs to uh, cut. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, honestly, like, I know who they need to focus on, so now I'm just thinking about who doesn't need to be there. Uh, I, I, I really need to look at their roster, though. Um, let's see. A, sunny, a couple sunny kisses, yeah. I, I would be fine with that one. Um Sean Spears, yeah, I haven't really seen him around. Brian Pillman Jr., okay. I'm with you, Michael, man. I, I think it's over. I think it is absolutely over. 
Um, Tony Nice, that's a guy that's getting zero reaction. Like when Moxley attacked him last week, the crowd barely responded. Like they, he had zero pop. And I just think that uh, it, it just doesn't make sense for him to be like, he's talented. And this is the thing too, is just because these guys um, should get released from AEW doesn't mean I think they suck. I just think that all elite wrestling needs to be about the elite. And there's just certain people that just don't fit that and shouldn't be taking away TV time from others because of that. Right. Um, yeah. Marina Shafir. Yeah. That's been rough. Uh, Abaddon garbage. Like we don't need her at all. Um, man, too many belts. Yeah. That's a problem too. Sanjay Dutt. I'm cool with Sanjay. He's just mostly a manager. Varsity Blondes is interesting. Yeah, I, I think they probably should turn heel or something. And if that doesn't work, then probably should just move on. Gun Club, I, you know, I'm not a fan of them. But they've at least earn the respect to, to for me to where it's not like I have to get them off of my TV. Uh, I'm very interesting to see too, where like Stokely Hathaway will go there and uh, kind of see what he does and see what Stokely Hathaway does with this entire faction. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, best friends, Orange Cassidy. I would say um, Chuck Taylor. I just go. I don't, I don't. I think you could replace him with somebody else and move on. I just don't think he takes wrestling seriously like he should, and I, I just think it's time to move on. Andrew Tess Martin died a long time ago. Just, just let you know oh, that. Oh man, came back on a. I figured he'd still be going. I figured he'd have a pretty long list. So I think uh, we got some good ones. We got some good ones. All right. Dark Order's a popular one. Tony Nice, uh, Sonny Kiss, Sean Spears, the Hall, the Varsity Blondes. Because I kind of, I kind of asked the chat because I couldn't think of a, just a bunch off the top of my head. Hmm. But like, I agree with most of them for the most part. Uh, Billy Gunn, yeah. I mean, I got told that I said that the the Gun Club was were like a team that like I just couldn't stand. And they've gotten to the point to where I think they're at least become relevant now. And they've kind of earned their feud with the acclaim. And like, I would like to see them really have like a great match to kind of see if these guys can get over. I'm also interested to see like how Stokely Hathaway will help them and how they'll be in that faction. I think probably the best thing for them is to get away from their dad. So I, see, I'm, I feel I'm very curious how that goes. I feel the opposite. I feel like it's weird that they turned on their own dad like that. Like, I just feel like it was kind of a perfect fit, but at the same time, maybe they felt like they got the most kind of, they could out of the whole, the whole act. That's where they're at. Yeah. That's where they're at. Which is, and it makes sense because he's like, loved the acclaim more than his boys. And they're like over it. Well, I guess that's part of it too. It is weird though, that like, if the acclaim is going to be like with Billy Gunn now, it's almost like, 
it's kind of like Christian being with Jurassic Express. It's just kind of weird, you know. It's kind of like yep. kind of a weird pairing. But and like this one, like I think he should release <laughs> yeah. Brian Cage just so he goes to the WWE. If they would take him, I feel like he would be way better off in the WWE than he would be in AEW or anything yeah. like that. I know you're the policy thing, but yeah. I think that they'll find ways around it. Um, yeah. Jim Ross all day long. No, all right. Bye. Yeah, we're good. All right. Well, there was another super chat, wasn't Luther. there? Like a $10 one? Luther's all Luther and Serpentico or whatever. They can both go. But yeah, we got another one. Okay. Corey Osborne. Thank you so much, Corey. I don't know if we've gotten a super chat from you, so I appreciate the uh, the donation. Thank you so much. You. Um, thoughts on AEW ignoring the West Coast? Outside of Vegas and SoCal, they haven't toured the West Coast while coming back to Texas, Chicago, New York. Etc. Multiple times. Wish uh, we could get AEW in uh, Northwest soon. Is that basically what it is? Um, I, I think that uh, I think that they won't. I think a lot of this had to do with just the the, the pandemic, honestly. And I think that there'll be much more uh, focused on where they want to go and and all that jazz. Um, I think that they're really looking to be a global brand and that definitely also means going to as many places in the States as you can go as well. So you got to keep in mind too, like they don't do house shows, WWE does. So they're kind of picking and choosing. And the thing is, is they've got to pick places that they know will sell. So it's, it's hard because if they're like looking at their ratings or whatever, and they're seeing like what, who are like the most tuned in makes the most sense possibly of where you would go with that show. So they could possibly look at it that way too. Um, but I definitely think they'll end up hitting up everybody eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, there's a lot of really good uh, indies going on in the West coast right now. Also like West coast pro is, is really killing it. Especially there's guys like Titus Alexander and stuff that are really doing well out there that I think AEW is going to keep scouting too. So like, I, uh, I think there's a lot of good talent on the West Coast that, you know, is on the come up right now that AEW could be potentially interested in. So they have a lot of good reasons to go over there to the West Coast for sure. And the fan, there's, I think there's plenty of fans there. It's like they're, they've done great so far when they've gone out to like California and stuff. So, which I mean, I, I think it's definitely coming more. Like, yeah. like I said, because of the pandemic, they weren't able to go because sure. they want double or nothing to be in Vegas every single year, which means they're going to California around that same time. Right. So, um, and, and like I said, the reason they picked Texas so much is there weren't a lot of restrictions. Like that's same with UFC. I mean, that's exactly. Thing, yeah. So it's like, uh, I think that they got, and I think companies also feel like they have to be loyal to the people that were there for them at that time. Yeah. Because Dana is talking like about a lot. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And Tony's a, Tony's a big fan of Dana. Uh -huh. So I could kind of see him having that same type of attitude where it's like, Guys have always been there for us. We're going to keep rewarding you with shows. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much. Uh, what was it? What was the name of Corey Osborne? Thank you very much. Seattle's a super hot market. Yeah, I agree. I think Seattle yeah. would be big with Defy Wrestling and all that that yeah. goes on over there. Like, I think I think they would absolutely have a, a big show for them. Well, and uh, Danielson has like ties to that uh, yeah. area, and yeah. um, Nick Wayne. Whenever he like in a couple of years when he's when Nick Wayne graduates high school and we see him more on AEW, he's real big in Seattle for Defy, which is really cool too. So, yeah, 
Yeah, and and when it comes to the restrictions of the pandemic, it seems like things are really starting to die down. So I, I really think that you're going to start to see it all over. Same thing with like the UFC. I think you're going to start seeing states that get visited that weren't getting visited for years. I mean, this past weekend was Utah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And they sold it out too. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they got a freaking moment. I mean, I wasn't, yep. I missed most of the show when I was at GCW, but I got I, home I in time for the, huh? I, I didn't get to see it live. I found out like through a text message. Oh, well, our, probably our Facebook group for. The, I was watching. Like, no, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the Cowboys preseason game, and so I just didn't even. Wow, uh, you yep. chose. I mean, oh, I get it. I'm a big, but I would have had a dual screen going at the very least. Man. Well, so I'm watching it on my couch, and you would have to allegedly. Uh, not oh, have yeah. the actual stream, sure. so like it's hard to you know have everything set up. So yeah, I didn't. It didn't happen. So Allegedly, that's actually that. not that difficult, man. Like it really isn't that tough to do. It 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 it, it can be. It's become, it's um, become very easy nowadays. Allegedly. On certain things, <laughs> based on setups. Like if, no, if I, I was it, sitting, I if I was sitting in my computer, yeah, no problem. Yeah, but I get it. I get it. I was chilling. So allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. another super chat, Alexander Fitzgerald. Thank, thank you so you. much, man. Great guy in our community. Um, I can't take the Conan post, uh, podcast seriously, but I read an article where he said he was backstage at AEW and heard from several wrestlers they were pissed about how they were booked. Thoughts on that? Um, so Conan also was talking about uh, Ortiz and Santana beefing. Yeah. I think that he definitely is a legit source for that. I I definitely think there's been problems backstage. I think that that's made, been pretty much made clear when Tony Khan desire, decided to hire more people backstage to run it, like Tony Schiavone and a couple of others that have now been brought in to kind of help communication. Because here's the thing is Tony was so easy to get a hold of because during the pandemic, they were in one spot every single time. When they started traveling, Tony became very hard to get a hold of. And so there's been a lot of frustrated people and they felt like that they're being ignored. So it's that same type of drama that Vince would run into where it's like, I can't get a hold of Vince and I don't agree with my character and blah, 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 blah. It's like and Tony's I, also helping run multiple other sports franchises. Oh, 100%. Like, <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. We know yeah. why Tony isn't yeah. available. Right. And not only that, Tony's right. also trying to do Ring of Honor, too. Like, right. it's nuts. Right. And I'm sure Tony is trying his best to, like, get it good with Discovery Warner Brothers as well with the new ownership and all that stuff. So there's a lot going on right now um, for Tony. So – I, I think that that has been an issue. I, I 100% think there's people upset in AEW that would want their release, that would want to go to the WWE. And I think there's people in the WWE that are upset that would want their release and go to AEW. Like, I think it's it's a, it's a both going on right now. Um, I, think, I think the honeymoon phase of AEW is over, right? We're not going to get too many new people coming through the door, like, literally every single quarter – there was a huge name. It was literally like every pay-per-view, there was another big name to debut. I don't think we're at that point anymore. I think we're pretty much lock solid of what we have. And I think that that definitely kind of calms down buzz. So now it's important to get buzz based on storylines and wrestling, based on 
that type of stuff buzz, right? Based on like MJF being pissed off and going off on Tony Khan buzz. Like I think that's now more the focus needs to be. It's just a different way of doing things. Um, I don't know. What's your thoughts, Steven? Yeah, I think we saw kind of the peak of what we'll see for a while when in one night we saw the debut of Danielson and Adam Cole in AEW. We also saw Cody go back to the WWE. Like those two things are pretty much like the biggest things I think you kind of see for a while. Like, because the next thing you'll see something like that would be like, I'm just all hypothetical, of course, but if like a Cena were to go to like AEW, like it'd be like, what? You know what I mean? Like it'd have to be something like that for, for it to be like what the kind of things we were getting fairly consistently, like way more consistently than we, you know, we can't get, we can't normalize like that. That's always going to be what this is. Um, that, that would break the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah. For That'd be the biggest thing that could literally happen like yep. in wrestling would be something yep. like that. But, but my the, the point though is really more so that like you know we got some awesome stuff the last couple of years as far as like debuts and people becoming free agents and available and all that stuff, and we're still gonna get some of that. I think more people will go back to the WWE that like have been kind of lingering around the Indies since you know like I could see teams like you know just throwing it out just random names, but like like Fandango and Tyler Breeze, like people that were like in the company for a long time that are like reliable wrestlers that the fans know. I could see those kind of wrestlers being like brought back to the WWE. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's going to be people that do get jobs back now that Triple H is in charge. Um, Well, maybe even like agents backstage trainers, like there's a lot of things that could happen, but I mean, I definitely think there's people that release. I I think Bray Wyatt is coming back to the WWE at some point. Like, I definitely think that that is happening. Um, when Road Dog's back already, apparently too. Well, and Jeff Jarrett, I don't, did talk. he quit or did they they let him go? I don't know. I I honestly didn't. I haven't looked at it that much. I just think it's it. funny that he's gone and then Road Dog takes his position. So like to That's me, kind it's of ironic. Like yeah. to me, it seems like he was either let go or he quit because business could be booming for him in other ways that he's not really ready to hang this thing up. Because I thought. I thought he was one of the MVPs of the Flair's last match stuff. I mean, I thought that he did really well. There's unfinished business with Effie and GCW. Um, I just think that there's more stuff for Jeff Jarrett out there if he wants to, to to go that route. Now, yeah, what's more important to Jeff Jarrett, being in the WWE system or being the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion? Like, that's... Well, and I mean, honestly, I would take Jeff Jarrett as the NWA Heavyweight Champion over almost anybody they have in that roster. I would take him over literally everybody that they have. Jarrett and Cardona for the NWA title is probably the biggest match that the NWA could do. Yeah. Yeah. And they both and maybe, sell their bendums. And maybe you do that at a Starcast. Like maybe that yeah. would be like their big next show is Jarrett and Cardona. And like if Rick Flair wants to be involved, special referee. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you can do something like that, or like, he can be like somebody on the side, right? He can still like interfere and you know whatever. Or, but... or he could wrestle and just win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so next, I've heard him talking about this match since, and he oh. like he seems like did he's you like hear what he said? It. It. Yeah. Did you hear what he said at Puerto Rico? 
apparently like they like that they offered him a ton of money to to wrestle again and, and he was yeah. upset that he already said it was his last match because he yeah. was ready to go that man like, is wrestling again for sure oh 100 and it's gonna yeah. it's just gonna get sad like get stop. sad it, it it is sad it we been it sad. been been sad it been it been, done been, it done been, been, been sad. sad yeah <laughs> it it been sad in 2008 like <laughs> this, this is a wrap damn clown shoes. Um, it's all right he's throwing out the first pitch in a little league you know he's he's everywhere he's he's, he's living it up woo Doing the dual photo op with him and Charlotte on this weekend. I'm gonna say we're like mercy at this guy. You're meeting him this weekend. Yeah, I'm oh. not meeting him. I'm good. I've I've met him. I met well, him when he said, was when he was still you, around. I think you oh you're saying someone could do the dual photo op. I yeah, you were doing the dual photo I'm op. Nope. I'm out. Yeah. Not on that. Um another uh another super chat from Mystery 86. Surely they won't have a DQ finish tomorrow night. You know. It's interesting, and and I want to know your opinion on this, Stephen, because you do work for Fightful, and I I think that Fightful like Steve uh, like Sean Ross Sapp and all that I think they're about as legit as it comes when it comes to sources for the most part. Like I I think that they would they don't report stuff to try to be misleading, right? Right. Yeah. But I am starting to question: Are they getting work? Like, I feel like that at this point, AEW is using the so-called journalist dirt sheets, whatever you want to call them, to mess with people. So you really don't know the truth. And it's going to be interesting to me because I think it's going to bring back more unpredictability. I think, like, people aren't going to trust reports as much because they're going to feel like they're getting work. And then what will happen is, is nobody will know the truth and you'll just have to watch the show, which is what it was always originally intended to be. And I think this is their attempt to kind of do that. How do you feel yeah. about that? It's funny. Cause you can relate that exact, that exact scenario to like politics and like everything else too. It's so funny. Cause it's like the idea of just like, like, I don't know. That just I just made me think of that when you just kind of explained it that way because it, it that's kind of what it, it has always been about is like what's real and what isn't, who knows, who doesn't. But like right. there's really no right or wrong. We just kind of have to see how it all plays out and then kind of just like figure out the best way and, of doing things. And just <laughs> like politics, like some brands have their own way of how they want to like say this stuff to kind of feed into their own base. And so it's like, who do you trust? Who do you actually think is reporting legit news? And who do you think is getting worked in it? Who is not? Like, Dave is reporting that this thing is damn near about to just completely explode. And CM Punk is basically a nightmare backstage. And there's a huge beef between everybody and blah, blah, blah. But then CM Punk's online talking about how grateful he is for the year that he's had and like going over through the memories and FTRs talking about how great punk is and all this stuff. But then Eddie Kingston's talking about how much of a scumbag punk is. And we do remember that Eddie Kingston got into punk's face and said, nobody wanted you here. Nobody likes you. Like, was that a shoe? And, and then you also see that 
Punk's upset about what Hangman said to him. And I I went back and rewatched what Hangman said to him. And it was basically like, you know, the stuff that you do backstage that you think nobody sees, people do see. And that I'm here to protect AEW and I don't want you to ruin it. This is in my locker room, all this type of stuff. And you, you could tell Punk was kind of like, no, we want to go there. Okay. But like, Here's my thing. If Punk was like threatening to quit or so fed up, he was like demanded change or he'd walk out. Then why did CM Punk bust his ass in rehab to come back? Why did CM Punk uh, show up at Comic-Con with the roster and talk about how much he loves AEW? Like, there's just a lot of this stuff that doesn't make sense. People are like, dude, you're falling for the summer of punk. This is leading to the summer of punk storylines. But it's like, are you using the dirt sheets now? Are you? Is that how we're doing this? We're going to work the fans? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, like you said, I think anything that gets reported by, I mean, especially by Sean, because I, obviously I know him. Like, I know that he's, anything he reports, he legitimately is reporting because he, not only does he think it's the right thing to report as far as like it's accurate he's he's not the kind of guy who just like makes something up or just uses one source like he'll get multiple confirmations from multiple sides before he reports something like even the um even the Vince McMahon retirement um he said that he got news of that before Vince's tweet but he was actually like mowing his yard or something at the time, but he said that he still would have had time to like tweet about it. Like he could have, like Sean could have broke that Vince was about to retire before Vince did. And, but he said that there's the extra time though, that it also takes for him to like confirm everything and write a proper article about it and everything and have everything ready. Like, so it isn't, so even, even on big news like that, someone like Sean or Sean specifically Sean, this, this scenario, he, he won't, he won't just throw something out there to get clicks or to, or to just make news up to, to stir up anything. Like it's, it's not in his best interest to do that. Just like it's on the, in the best interest of someone like Ariel Hawani. Like people can say whatever they want about Hawani and like antagonizing fighters and those kind of things. I know how you, I know you have your own thoughts on him as well. Um, when it comes to that kind of stuff, but like at the end of the day, he's reporting accurate news. Like he, yeah. like, you know, and like so, so and but but here's the thing: even when it came to like, as I was I was bringing up these kind of conversations back when Sean was reporting like Punk was uh, was returning to AEW back when he was reporting that Cody was heading back to WWE and like all yeah. that kind of stuff. I was sitting there going. I think they might be working Sean. I honestly thought that like, like Tony Khan, cause they, they, Tony knows, they know who a lot of us are at Fightful. Like he's, Tony Khan specifically knows who a lot of the Fightful people are like by name and face. And he yeah. can easily be like, you, you can see that in the post fight in the post pressers from the pay-per-views. Like he's naming them by their first names and all that stuff. Right. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where if he wanted to work somebody, he would be able to do it pretty easily because he'd be able to just directly message any of us really. And, you know, get whatever that is out there. But once again, if you're someone like Sean, you have too much on the line to just make stuff up or just hear one side of one person's story. Like you're going to have to confirm it at least two different places, preferably even more than two places before you actually report something, especially if it's really big news like that. So um, so no, to your point, I think that 
I think it's absolutely possible that promoters and wrestlers can work dirt sheets or, or, or reporters or whatever journalists, whatever you want to call anyone who reports on wrestling. Right. But, but it, there's a big difference between if someone gets worked through reporting and just making things up, because that happens a lot in wrestling journalism is like things, pe people just legitimately making things up and just hoping that that actually just happened and they can take credit for, for putting the news out there, but they, they didn't have the news to begin with for real. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But this really, it, it almost feels like this all started with MJF. Like, that whole yeah, Vegas the plane, weekend, the plane, the, plane, the missing the meet and greet, the sus like possible suspension, the meeting with Tony Khan before Dynamite, the like all let this. Me, like, let me say this really quick. If I was Tony Khan, I I would try to work the, the reporters. I agree. Like I agree because to know. me, it it takes away the predict the predictability yeah. of pro wrestling. It makes everything unpredictable you're just like dude what the hell is going on so here's a here's here's one um punk comes out right and i must say it's the most confident cm punk i've i've seen since he left uh wwe like he was cm punk 100 yeah like, talked mad crap was very confident that he was the best in the world all that stuff right mm -hmm. trashed moxley brutal and called out Hangman out of the blue. And I remember just being like, what, what the hell has Hangman got to do with any of this stuff? Right. And, it, and to know that Hangman wasn't prepared for that, he's a baby face, it kind of made him look like a coward on TV. He went into business for himself and made Hangman look like a coward. And then Moxley comes out and... He's trashing Moxley. And so it just seemed kind of weird, but it made it seem like, okay, I mean, they're just building up the pay-per-view. That's fine. And even Punk said pay-per-view, right? And then they announced that the main event next week is Punk versus Moxley for the, the title, the unification. And then on top of that, all these reports have come out that CM Punk has been very difficult to deal with and, and blah, blah, blah. And there's actually like a civil war going on in AEW. And then like Hangman has a problem with CM Punk. And, you know, if Hangman has a problem with CM Punk, the elite have a problem with CM Punk and the elite are the EVPs of the company. So like what's going on there? It just, there's, a, there's just a lot going on that just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And what's going to be crazy is what would happen if Moxley wins tomorrow? Then the whole internet is going to be like, what the hell is going on? Because we thought for sure CM Punk is taking this thing, and maybe this is true. Maybe Punk is very difficult to deal with. Maybe Tony Khan's fed up with Punk. Like, But it, it, it makes it must-see TV. It makes you want to tune in to see what the hell is going on and where are things going. Right. So like to me, um, it, it makes things very interesting. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think CM Punk will still probably retain tomorrow night, but that would be super unpredictable if Mox did. And then once again, it gets the Internet going, speculating why is CM Punk losing? Um, that'd be kind of wild if like 
Punk and MJ. I, I'm not saying they should do this. I'm just saying it'd be wild if they did. If like Punk disappeared for a second and him and MJF came back together as heels, like that'd, right? be, that'd be crazy. Because <laughs> like, I feel like if Punk is going to go heel, he is going to go heel heel. Like yes. bloodthirsty, just rip AW to pieces. And I think it could be huge. I think it could work very well. But I'm very curious where MJF fits into all this too. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, it, it feels like MJF could come back as a baby face. Yeah, and I'm I, not saying he will be a baby face, but I mean, I feel like the crowd is going to be 100% behind MJF when he comes back. Especially right when he comes back, for sure. I, for sure. Um, basically, all CM Punk needs to do is watch like all of... Um, I'm blanking on his name somehow. PS Power. Watch like all of PS Power's videos for the last like two years, and then just cut those promos on the fans. Like that's that's exactly like that's CM Punk's material for for the heel run is just listen to all the neck the neck beard fanboy talk right. that that he's and and just call all of us that. And I was one of you, but no, you guys are even too neck beard for me. So right. Yeah. Maybe I should just swallow my pride and call Hunter and get out of this dump. Yeah. You know? I, I did think it was a great line, though, when, like, it caught Mox off guard when Mox was like, I'm the heart and soul of this company. And Mox was like, or, and, and Punk was like, okay, one, the dollars and cents. And Mox was like, shit. Like, you know what I mean? He was kind of like, you're right. Like, this one was crazy. a pretty nasty line, too. That was a great line. That was, that a, was a nasty one. And then also that he's not this uh, the, the best Kingston I ever was in the ring with, or he's the second best or something like that. Yeah. That was nasty. The third best Eddie, like. Yeah. Whew. The second best John that he'll beat in you know, yeah. for the title. Yeah. Like, man, that yeah. was, he, he had some good lines. He had some zingers. I'll give him that. The big difference between the two of them, though, and I'm not saying one is better or worse. I'm just saying there's a difference between the two. And I, I like the dynamic, but CM Punk, you know, he can get like kind of too cute with it sometimes, you know, like with his like kind of like tongue in cheek, kind of wink, wink type of humor and stuff with the crowd. But for this promo, it, it seemed like Punk just like delivering just zingers that were just landing. Like everything he was saying was like was really landing and it wasn't it wasn't too cheesy. It was like it was really, really well thought. And then, like I said, the dollars and cents line, I think, was uh, was ad-libbed, and that was really quick for Punk. I got to give him credit on the microphone. That was really good. And then on the flip side, John Moxley, his promo, it wasn't as good as CM Punk's, but it, he comes off as so authentic. Like, that he, like what he's saying is, like, he really means what he's saying. You tell it in his voice. Like, there's not that much difference between the John Moxley we're seeing on television, the John Moxley that's just, like, backstage. You know, like, it's... Right. It's, it's very so it seems like one guy who's like CM Punk who's playing CM Punk the pro wrestler and John Moxley who just like actually is kind of pissed off that this dude is like even in the position he's in right now because like he's the one who's spending his, and by choice by the way because he doesn't need to do this but he's spending his free time you know doing death matches in GCW for the love of the game and you know CM yeah. Punk isn't you know he's but he's making more money than everybody you know so it's it's a cool dynamic. I like it. Yeah, it, it, it's 
it's a, it's a lot of fun going on right now. Um, guys, if you haven't, please smash that like button. If you have any more Super Chats, send them our way. Definitely appreciate it. It always helps the channel. It helps us grow, so definitely appreciate it. And um, just as I said that, Chris Warden with the Super Thank Chat. You Thank you, Chris, so much. Uh, evening, guys. I also agree that AEW has lost some momentum recently, but they have a huge opportunity to get it all back tomorrow night and yep. then some. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're, we're it's, it's not waving the white flag going on right now like they haven't even been bad i mean i i think the best wrestling pay-per-view is the forbidden door like so far this year and that oh, was when the roster was beat up and they had to destroy the card and basically put super glue all over it to make it work and it turned out to be great right so I think that the, the I think a lot of it is the fact that Triple H is now running the WWE. I think that that's a huge part of this is Absolutely. that you kick them while they're down, right? Their roster's limited, their ratings haven't grown as much as they want, blah, blah, blah. And then now Triple H is running the roster, running the WWE, and basically going to try to turn WWE into NXT black and gold, right? So I think that that's a big part of this, too. Yeah, well, and, and like I said, one doesn't negatively affect the other at all in this scenario. Like, I hope we get to a point where every Monday wrestling fans are like, Raw was awesome. And then every Wednesday wrestling fans are like, Dynamite was awesome. And that's just yeah. a regular thing. Like, just because right. Raw was great doesn't mean that's, that that Dynamite is not going to be great. Like, right. it doesn't mean this when Dynamite kills, it doesn't mean that's not like, I'm hoping Raw's great. Dynamite's great. SmackDown's great. Rampage is great. Impact's great. I hope that wrestling fans, that they're just everything. And then it just all gets better. All the companies get more viewers. They're getting more momentum. There's no negative in any of this, which is like the, that, that's what's, that's what's mind blowing about people who are complaining about any of this stuff. But Chris, Hey man, I appreciate the super chat as always. Always good to see you in here. And, um, and I agree. I understand what you're saying though. WWE has a lot of momentum right now. Um, or at least it feels like they're starting to get some momentum right now. And that's yep. a good thing. Um, yep. And I think that AEW will continue to get momentum. And then I think they can feed off each other and everyone's going to win. They, you know, WWE gets momentum, AEW gets momentum, then WWE gets momentum and AEW. And like they like they can just continue to, to rise together. It doesn't have to be like a AEW gets, WWE gets momentum, AEW doesn't. Like it's, it's it all can, it all can rise at the same time. So. Yes, and speaking of momentum, Kenny Omega is back. Yes. And I can't tell you, Stephen, just the warm, fuzzy feeling I had when that man walked out of the tunnel. And he, it's just, it, it almost reminded me, and I know people are going to kill me for this, but it almost reminded me of like Triple H returning to, uh, to Madison Square Garden after his long injury. Uh, it's just he was missed so much. He's such a huge part of that company. And so many people came to that company when he was on his way out. And the fact that you get him back with CM Punk back and MJF likely coming back, it's just like, it's like almost things were on pause and they press play and like, let's yeah. go, you know? Um, I was concerned when I saw him wrestle with the t-shirt. You know how I feel about that. And it's different than Sting rocking a t-shirt or something. I agree. Like that. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah. But just saying, like, why? Right. Well, and then I, I also had the sling, yeah. right? 
But I heard, I heard from Dave, this is all work. Like the storyline is, is that Kenny is supposed to act like he's not a hundred percent. And so he's going to wrestle kind of beat up and banged up, but he's fine. Um, that bump that he took from Dragon Lee was absolutely sick. Right. And I just love the fact that like Kenny's like, screw this. I'm not taking it easy. Let's just go. You know, I'm back. I'm back. Let's do, let's do it. Um, I thought that the match was really cool. Okay. This also leads me to something else. And I might, I might vent a little bit here. Okay, uh, hold on. Can I, let me talk about Henry's yeah. race real yeah. quick. Go okay, ahead. So I do think with the t-shirt or the, uh, not the t-shirt, the uh, compression shirt or whatever he was wearing and the yep. brace, I think it'll be like a Forrest Gump type situation where he like, breaks out of the brace uh, you know like what i mean yeah like off. eventually he's gonna like rip it off in a match and everyone's gonna be like oh he's 100 percent." you know what i mean like i think they're gonna use it and i do think that whether it's whether it's all selling or not they have the perfect doubt because like when kenny uh he did the you cannot escape and like couldn't do the full flip and like landed right in front of the young bucks i don't know if that was a work or not but like either way it would make sense that he would wouldn't be hundred percent still. So like it, yeah, it, it's fine. You know, they can, they can, they can work us. They it could all be a work. It could all be a shoot. Who knows? But like, I think that the story, I think it makes sense for the story to be that Kenny Omega isn't hundred percent. And we're going to watch him kind of, because it also gives him a reason storyline wise to not be right back in the world title mix because he gets a title shot. He's going to get a rematch at some point for the world title. So if he's not 100%, there's reason for him to be doing trios. If he's 100%, then it's like, you know what I mean? If you're Kenny Omega, why wouldn't you also be going for the world title? You know what I mean? So. Yeah. No, I feel you there, Steven. Mm-hmm. An absolute tragedy happened last week. Um, I was absolutely furious. Uh, I, I, this was one of the first times I ever got to watch a new Japan show and not know the results. And I had watched Osprey versus Naito and Osprey cut one of the most inspirational promos about how it's his time and how he's going to do it and how he you know, takes it personal that the Budokan isn't sold out and all this other stuff because it's his job now and he's supposed to bring New Japan back from the dark ages and he's so prepared and he's finally going to do it, blah, blah, blah. I was, it it made all the sense in the world for Osprey to finally win the G1 and beat Okada and what do they do? They go with the safe choice. They go with Okada winning. And it just pisses me off because I feel like Osprey is an attraction. And when he is put into main event level matches, he will deliver. And Okada is the same way. So I don't fault that. And Okada is also the John Cena of New Japan. And, and, and not in a bad way. I mean right. just like attraction-wise, draw-wise. Um, but I just don't see the benefit of him winning his fourth freaking G1 when Osprey hasn't won his first. And he had all the momentum to do it. The story was there. Now right. I will say, I will say, 
something interesting happened in that match. And I, I, have you watched the match? Mm -hmm. I just know that he lost only because you wanted to talk about this down the show. So, okay. So one thing he did kick out of the rainmaker. So that was nice to see because that is rare. Most people do not kick out of the rainmaker. Osprey kicked out of the rainmaker. He so did not tap out to the money clip, right? No. Okay. Good, no. good, 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 good. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. So he decided that the best way to beat Okada is to use finishers from people that have already beaten Okada. So he uses Tanahashi's Frog Splash, right? He uses the Styles Clash by AJ Styles. He does the V trigger at the corner of the rope to hit Okada. But when he goes for the one wing angel, he can't get it done. And after the match, Kevin Kelly states that if Osprey would have just hit the one wing angel, he would have won that match. Where are we going with this trios tournament tomorrow where Osprey is going to AEW and where and Ozzy opened in an interview and they said that they want to win this match so Osprey can slap Kenny. The whole point of Kenny Omega, what has he said during the time with Sean Ross Sapp interview where he trashed Osprey? Look, Jay White is just a guy that's taken advantage of what he's done and got things done. Will just can't get it done. He has these forgettable five-star matches and he just can't get it done to be the guy. Well, what better way to display that than Osprey not being able to hit the one-wing angel? I swear to God, Stephen, I feel like they're setting up Osprey and Omega. Yeah, I think they are. I think we're going to get a one-on-one. It's got to happen at some point soon. It has to. Whether it's, I mean, whether, honestly, the best place it could probably happen, I mean, I prefer it happen in AEW, personally. Because, yeah. You know, but, I mean, that, that could easily be a Wrestle Kingdom match. Oh, my God. I mean, that is a stay up all night, drink yep. energy drinks, do whatever you got to do and watch yeah. that match because that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's too much, there's too much, um, there, there's too much illusion to it, to it happening for it not to at this point. It has to. I agree. I just think that that we, we might actually finally get that match. And to me, that's what separates AEW from WWE is that you can pull off matches like that. But, and this, the storyline is amazing. It is amazing. You have the two very best wrestlers in the last five years that have never faced each other but once at a PWG match when Kenny was still using an imaginary chainsaw and all and and Ayukin and all that crap. Like we have not seen even more near close of peak Osprey and Omega locking up at all. So I pray that this is the tease. And for some, like, please don't disappoint me again. I need Ozzy Open to find a way to win this damn match tomorrow against Death Triangle. Because if they do, there is definitely going to be a tease between Omega and Osprey in that tournament. And that is huge. And that, to me, will 100% solidify that this whole thing's been a work and that the plan is eventually for Osprey and Kenny to have a match. Yeah. I can't really add much to that. I'm with you. 
I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think it's uh it's 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 so great. Um I, <laughs> like that that's that's number one on the list. There's it's there's tough. nothing more. It's tough with that trios tournament because Death Triangle feels like they're like they deserve to be advancing in the tournament based on like merit in the company. Yep. But I like I, we do have to get to Osprey and, and Omega, but that doesn't necessarily. But, but this necessarily is my have... thing. Mm-hmm. Why put them in the same bracket? Like you could have easily, if if you planned on having Aussie open lose, you could have easily put them in the other bracket and face like lose the House of Black or something, right? Why did you make it to where the winner of this match will face the Bucks and Kenny in the next match? Right. That's I, that to me is telling. I guess the only other thing they could do, but it still gets you to the same spot, would be like if Ozzy Open loses and like as like they're walking to the back or something, I Kenny agree. like walks up to the ramp and like looks at Osprey and like couldn't get it done again. Man. Done, like, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, let me know if you need tips on how to hit that one wing angel. Yeah, man. You know, oh, like do you really think that Omega also sent that cease and desist letter? On that shirt. Oh yeah, where, maybe. Yeah, like probably. I think it's all. I think it's all BS. I think this has been a work the whole time. He totally had his blessing to make the shirt. They used it. Like he he hit that one wing angel at the independent show to show that he could at least do it. Then he comes out with the the shirt that says he's better than Omega, and then he can't hit the one wing angel when it matters the most to beat Okada, which is Kenny's biggest opponent. Like. This is this is chess. We're playing chess here, not checkers. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, also, this I forgot to mention it before, but I just remembered. I thought it was hilarious how they explained Hangman not coming out to confront Punk on BTE. That was so yeah. funny. Like how they're like he's like backstage with Dark Order. Like they all have like like whips in their hands, <laughs> and he's like that's more important to like the whatever's yeah. going on in the ring. I know. Um, You're like, hey, Punk's saying your next. I don't get, get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> and, and I, I love how they explain that kind of stuff. Like the the best example ever of that was whenever Evan Bor- or uh, Matt Seidel uh, slipped doing the shooting star press, and on BTE they explained that Michael Nakazawa had like oiled the ropes and stuff. Like that kind of stuff is really funny. How they'll how they'll explain stuff on BTE. Most of the fan base will never see it or know, but the the couple hundred thousand people that watch BTE. Get to see that kind of stuff so got another super chat from alexander fitzgerald thank you, thank you so much alex i appreciate it man uh i agree aw has a good chance to get a lot of momentum with all the returns but how do you think tk will use roh roh can add a cool dynamic to aew um and i really think it just depends on what the hell discovery warner brothers wants to do i don't know if you know this steven but <laughs> they basically got rid of all their animation. Like they cut all future animation projects, Batman, all this stuff They They canceled them and then they're going to try to sell them to other networks. Like they are out on all that. Um, they're just going through a totally different uh, ideas and what they want to do. So I just have no idea what they, what they are going to do. But there is also some interesting rumors of possibly the Snyderverse returning, um, it's not just fan made. Like, there's some interesting ideas that that possibly could happen. And then there's also uh, another thing where they just uh, signed uh, the guy that did Batman, Matt Reeves, I think his name is. They signed him to like an exclusive deal. So they they do have future plans for certain people. I just think that it's like they're just cutting out the. It, it's it's very much 
like a new coach coming into the NFL and getting rid of all the assistant head coaches and and bringing in their own people and deciding to do what they want to do. So basically, if they didn't approve these projects, like they don't really want them. So that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, as far as as far as ROH, yeah, no, I I see I see what you mean with that though, with like because uh, right now they're just kind of in limbo where they're using AEW television to keep like furthering ROH storylines without really having like a known future of what their own show looks like or so what was that? Any TV? Yeah, exactly. Like there's just which is the best they can do right now. I mean, at least they have a giant platform like AEW to be able to to promote their show um but or their brand when they're whenever they have shows but yeah i think there's there's just uncertainty probably about the future of like where they're gonna how, what, what that looks like i mean honestly i would just i think we talked about it before i'd pretty much just replace aw dark with ring of honor and just yeah do it that way for now so i do think it's kind of cool to do the pay-per-views every uh like the the like the dead parts where you don't have a pay-per-view for a while. So let's say after um, full gear going into revolution, there's a pretty long gap there. Do a pay-per-view in the middle, you know, like the ones where it's almost like a three month wait. I think that that's pretty cool to have like a pay-per-view for ROH. Um, It'll be interesting to see, kind of where they go and like who will be the top contenders and, and all that stuff. So um, I'm all for more ROH pay-per-views. They've both been really good. Really good Had a great yeah. time watching them. So I'm all for it, but there has to be something to where AEW can't be the only thing promoting it. Cause then it just becomes a mixed bag and it, it makes almost AEW storylines lose focus. And I felt like, so hold on here. Mr. Gave us another super chat. Appreciate it, man. Uh, read my long forbidden door post in the one after. So I'll go ahead and do that since you sent in a super chat. Uh, forbidden door as a wrestling event was good, but what it did was kill AEW's momentum. So after it was like, okay, now what? All the storylines got backburnered for that event and now start over. And then the problem was too is they had like ROH uh, after that as well. And so then it was like you were really focusing on Forbidden Door, ROH, but it's like what happened to the New Japan stuff. But at the same time, CM Punk got injured. MJF, I, I personally think MJF got suspended. That's that's what I'm starting to believe is that he – the reason that Tony doesn't want to talk about it is he actually did suspend him and that his suspension is almost up, which is why he's coming back. I, I don't know that for any – this sure. is my – strictly just me guessing. Sure. But – it, the way the timeline works out, it just basically looks like he got suspended for two, three months, and then he's allowed to come back. So uh, I, I just think that it kind of worked out because a lot of the storylines were on hold anyways. But I understand what you're saying, that there, there's too much stuff going on. But I do think that if you did Forbidden Door again, it would be much more AEW-focused with New Japan, but like – you would have so much more involved of like the entire roster where it wouldn't feel like it's just like a wrestling pay-per-view just for the heck of it. You know what I mean? Like like I said, you were supposed to have CM Punk Tanahashi. I don't know what they were going to do with Moxley. Um, You know, Adam Cole was beat up going into that thing. There's just, there was just a lot of things that weren't 
weren't going. Kenny's out, right? Kenny would be amazing on a New Japan Forbidden Door show. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, so, yeah. so I think that, that that was the biggest thing is that there's a there was just a lot of stuff on the back burner as it was where it kind of allowed these things to happen. But I do think they kind of have to be careful and not lose AEW's momentum and focus on their storylines to try to like void voyage off and focus on other storylines and promote other things. Yeah, it's kind of wild how uh, we talked about it before a little bit, but how Kenny Omega was basically like the Rob Van Dam of one night stand, how he like was probably the most responsible for like it happening, but he couldn't be yeah. on the show. And then yeah. CM Punk, it was supposed to be in Chicago, him defending the title in his, uh, in right. his home city. I mean, so those are two giant blows to the show. And it was still arguably the best wrestling show the entire year. Um, and and that's the thing. And thank you for the super chat. Um, I I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying because I, I do just view it more so just like a standalone show. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So kind of regardless of if something's kind of got lost along the way and it feels kind of like a reset to you, which it's okay if you're, if you're, if you're critical of that or like, you don't like it as a fan, totally fine with me, totally understand. But, um, but for me, it just kind of seemed like a a really, really cool one-off pay-per-view. And I kind of was able to jump right back in, but also keep in mind, and you might be the same way. The, my consumption of pro wrestling is so strange because of all the stuff I cover for like the weekender and stuff. So like, I'm watching a lot of different companies kind of like scattered all throughout the week. So to me, it was just like another just badass wrestling show, you know, for Forbidden right. Door. And then I just kind of go on to the next thing, you know, GCW or something, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Probably get Glory by Honor in October and then Final Battle in December, which Probably I mean, calls, yeah. I'm all for that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of who the top people are and it really seems like briscoes and ftr aren't done either like the way that they were cutting promos on each other after the match and stuff like i just feel like that that might end up in a cage match for one final one or you know it always is a ladder war is usually how an roh feud ends but that doesn't really favor ftr at all so i don't know but it, it doesn't seem like that that is necessarily done either i saw that Dax Harwood tweeted earlier today saying that he wants to have one singles match on the Indies and like, you just got to find the right opponent for it. So that's pretty yeah. badass. Well, and what I thought was dope is Daniel Garcia recommended Brian Keith as one of the oh, guys. Oh, for real? That, I and didn't I, see that. That's cool. I would, uh, he, he, Brian Keith, uh, Kevin Blackwood, and there was somebody else. And I, I definitely, said Brian what Keith. He said like Robert Martyr. He's really close with him. I wonder if that was I, he didn't he didn't say Robert Martyr, but I I Robert Martyr's dope. Um it was somebody else. It was pretty known, but maybe it was Nick Wayne. I don't know. But it was it was uh it's a pretty good idea that uh I I think that would be a dope match is Brian Keith versus uh Dax. Yeah. Sure. Plus Dax is facing Jay Lethal in a singles match tomorrow, which I think will yeah. be really good. Me too. I've actually, I've actually enjoyed Jay Lethal on AEW, the Ric Flair stuff. Like, I think he's still very good, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get more of a role. Yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, what are you guys looking forward to uh, tomorrow the most? You guys are super hyped for the title match? 
you know, and it's kind of fun too because it kind of like brings me back to the WCW days or the Attitude Era in which like it's not even necessarily that I'm that excited about the match in general. I'm excited, more excited about the outcome and where it leads to next. I think that that's always an important part in pro wrestling. And I think AEW is doing a good job of getting us there. And it's always like, I wish AEW could get to the point to where it's like, like AEW, when they actually have a pay-per-view coming up in the next three weeks or so, their shows are usually really good. It's that time waiting to get to that point is usually when things kind of die down. And I'm hoping that they can get to that point where it's always like that going forward. Yeah. Because what's dope is after this, it's it's straight to Grand Slam. You know what I mean? So they'll yeah. be building that thing up. Oh yeah, I feel like there's always I feel like the momentum real I mean it dips a little bit here and there, but I think I feel like they, they carry it pretty well. Um yeah, there was a I like pull this. That one. yeah, uh, there's actually a similar one. I'm gonna pull this here. So this so I like that you brought this up. So I said this from the beginning of the Blackpool Combat Club, actually, right after they started uh, uh, like courting Wheeler Yuta. I was like, I thought it was interesting that they kind of like took him away from a group that he didn't fit in well with. And now they're doing the same thing with Daniel Garcia. I think they'll do the same thing with Lee Moriarty. They'll, they'll, they'll recognize at some point soon, like Blackpool Combat Club will target Moriarty and be like, you don't fit in with with Stokely and his group. Like you need to come to us. Like I think Lee Moriarty is going to be one of those guys on that list. So just want to throw yeah. that out there now. I think I think I think he'll be the next guy. Like I think they'll get Daniel Garcia probably as, as soon as uh, tomorrow, and then Moriarty. I think will be the next guy that they scout out. It's my prediction. Who do you think would be a good young guy for the Jericho Appreciation Society? The thing is, I don't know if they need to replace him because they got Sammy again recently. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, and he feels like he's kind of lost, too. Um, yeah. It's amazing uh, how much Tay really affected his career. Because he was on a huge, like, he was super over with the crowd. I mean, go with Sammy when he faced Cody yeah. in the latter match. Incredible ladder to match. Where, to where Sammy is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm sure he thinks he's worth it's worth it. I mean, he married her, right? So like it's not like this is just some little fling or anything like that. It's just weird how much the audience hates them as a couple and how much like momentum he has lost by being with her. Yeah. But good for him though. I mean, I mean Oh, I mean, it's yeah. it's a win. Yeah. It's a sure. win. Um, They'll come around. Uh, real quick, because I know we got to go uh, talk some UFC before we get out of here, because there was obviously a big result there. Um, yeah. Went to GCW this past Saturday, and that was a lot of fun. I uh, got to meet Cassidy Haynes from Bodyslam.net. If any of y'all know him, really cool guy. I wanted to shout out Cassidy. Um, got to meet some wrestlers and stuff. Like uh, it was funny. I was I was waiting for in line for a beer at one point at one point of the night, and right in front of me ordering a beer was b-boy and right behind me was jd drake and jd drake like wasn't on the show he was just there hanging out watching um and he was like really nice he said a couple things real quick just super nice and b-boy the 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 lady um the bartender who was who was getting his order 
was like asking how how the show was and b-boy was like oh it's good i'm having a good night like i just just wrestled you know a few minutes ago and and i like got up behind him and i was like this guy's a legend and he was like oh man appreciate it. like he was like appreciative he's like man that's like you don't have to say that but i was like no man i've been watching you forever you know what i mean like it was it was really cool i, I like ac mac was there just hanging out like just watching the show his boyfriend rico gonzalez wrestled in the scramble match so um that was really cool he was at the bar too and i was talking to him because i've got to interview ac a few times so i know him a little bit and yeah and i was like i was like man rico's been killing it and he was like yeah dude i'm so nervous of like his match is coming up sixth and he ordered like a double shot of like whiskey and like a coke or something he was like oh wow yeah he was like he was like i'm nervous for his match man um ac is the man um but yeah, I got to I got to catch up with a lot of wrestlers. Got to see Cole Radrick, talk to him for a little bit. Got a little bit of audio with him for Fightful. Got a little bit of audio with MLJ for Fightful. A little audio with uh, Joe Lando for Fightful. If y'all don't know about Joe Lando yet, like he's gonna be one of the guys who really blows up soon. Um, out of the UK, he's the guy who's doing the shooting star elbow drop, like hitting okay. it like, way better yeah, than Teddy Hart did, dude. And, and it's wild because man, he's he's small you know what i mean like in person i'm yeah. like i can't believe this is the same guy i'm seeing in the ring super super nice kid he's 22 years old he has a super bright future he told me that his dream match is will osprey you know yeah which makes sense you know so um so yeah no i but gcw was a great time i got to meet um rob by Killjoy. the way speaking of that real quick i went up to jack cartwheel when i met him and i was like dude like what do you think of osprey Cause I'm like, I think you have an amazing match with him. He's like, ah, oh, he's okay. I'm not really the biggest fan. I like Pack more, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, fine. Probably <laughs> really bothered. Like, you already said Pack and like somebody else, and I was just like, yeah, all right, next. That's funny. I mean, Pack's great too. So like, I get it, but man, yeah, you should be modeling your career after Osprey with the high flying that you do, then mix in with actual wrestling and strong style. You'd be, you'd be good to go. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I met uh, I met Rob Killjoy. He was a part of the Ugly Ducklings. His tag team partner Lance Lude just recently came back to wrestling. Uh, Lance Lude uh, wrestled on the GCW show the night before the show I was at, the one that was in Charlotte, and he just came back after fighting cancer. So want to give a big shout out to Lance Lude. Like that's incredible that like, you know, he fought cancer and he's back wrestling again. That's awesome. Um, and then I also, I got to meet Masha Slamovich. I got to meet uh white Mike, got to meet Nick Gage. Um, it was nuts. Like there was, did you get any picks with anybody? No, nah, it was about the experience, man. Yeah. Like they gave I me, it. They, gave, they gave me, I mean, shout out. I don't know who, I don't know if it was Brett Lauderdale directly or who, who Sean talked to to set me up for the show, but like they gave me, I wish I would have known they were giving me two tickets, but like they gave me two free tickets. I only, I went with myself and I knew that, I knew that Cassidy was going to be there, but he's also like media. So, but they gave me like VIP and I could kind of go in and out wherever I wanted and stuff. And it was, it was awesome. So GCW there. And then like the, the wrestlers on the show were so cool. And like, they're also, it's so grassroots that like, yeah there's a a parking garage that's connected to center stage and it's kind of a pain in the ass to like maneuver through and get out of so after the show like nick gage and jordan oliver and those guys are like directing traffic out of the parking lot so fans can like get out of the venue safely it's like so it's like so funny um that's funny yeah 
and I yeah, got to have uh, I got to I got to legitimately hang out with Masha Slamovich and Nick Gage for a minute, which was really cool. So, um, nice. so yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really cool. Chef's kiss, that's dope. Um, <laughs> meet Nick Gage, get him sign your pizza cutter. He'll do <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, he's 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 super cool. Um, uh, but anyways, so uh, man, yeah, yeah. I so I didn't get to watch this live, and one of the main reasons was is I just felt like Usman he had it right, and I checked in and I saw I heard he got taken down, and I was like, okay, that's weird, and then. It went on, and then they were like, Usman's completely dominated the fight. This is another clear round for Usman, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is well, a decision. Even to the – I have to bring this up before the before the big moment. Yeah. On commentary, seconds before the, the head kick, yeah, there's, they're talking some total bullshit that would really piss me off if I was Leon Edwards and heard it. They were right. talking about – Oh, this is going to be a moral victory for Leon. He's going to get a decision. He'll he'll lose the decision, but he went to a decision against the champion. It's a moral victory, like blah blah blah. And I was like, screw that! Like who who like this is his one chance to win the title. Like if he if he goes to a decision with Usman, he's not getting another rematch against the guy. Like this is insane insane talk. UFC yeah. commentary has been pissing me off the last few months. Yeah. Like it's been bad, man. And these are people I normally stick up for, but I wanted to big favoritism. Big favoritism. Massive, massive favoritism. And listen, I love Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan way more than most people love Joe Rogan. Okay. How dare you? Like more. Uh, I And I've been a fan for, I was a fan of the Joe show before it was even the G, the JRE podcast, like on Ustream back in the right. day, y'all. Like, I mean, Ustream. yes. Like I, I'm a Joe Rogan fan long time. I've seen him multiple times live, so on and so forth. I, I support the guy. I'm a fan of him. Mass big ups for the Spotify deal, but he clearly doesn't watch the same amount of MMA he did years ago. And like, if he knows of one fighter or not the other, it's just, it's just so one-sided. And, and it feels like all the, all the commentators have been doing that lately where they kind of get married to one fighter without really knowing much about the other. And no matter what that one guy is doing, they just keep making it seem like he's ahead when he isn't. And and anyway, so I just want to throw that out there. I, the commentary, I think, has been a, a big problem. Like, I think Paul Felder is so acid commentary, and he gets so much praise. I don't understand it. Um, anyways, let's go. So, anyways, commentary is pissing me off because they're going. Leon Edwards is is coasting his way to a decision loss, and then. I mean, he. I mean, like he one minute left. One minute left, and he connects with a head kick and just completely knocks Usman out. And I, you know, so here's the thing, though, and, and this is why I think it's actually a good thing. There's there's one thing that's definitely holding me back on it, saying it's a good thing, though, and I'll say what it is, too. But, mm-hmm. like, Usman was talking about fighting Canelo. Right. He was talking Boxing about Canelo. moving – right. He was yeah. talking about moving up to 205. Like – it was to the point to where there was just no more challengers. This is all so easy. I'll have another fight with Colby Covington because at least that makes money. But, like, this is not a challenge. Like, you know, maybe I'll hang it up. I need to spend more time with my daughter. All this, right? 
The moment that Usman lost that fight, he immediately wants a rematch. He's motivated, can't wait to come back, all that stuff. So, like, I think that it's going to awake a killer in him. But I'm also worried that it's going to have the GSP effect. And it's going to make him a coward. And what I mean by coward is he's going mean. 100% go for the takedowns. There will be no more knockouts by Usman. There will be no more strikes with Usman. It's just focus on wrestling 100%, take guys down, control, win, win round by round, and, and call it a day. Because there's no way that this happens if he takes the GSP strategy. Takes the GSP strategy, completely dominates Leon, and it's not even close. And so that's what I'm more concerned about. Um, the reason that I'm also concerned that Usman might never be the same, he's 35 years old. This isn't where GSP was still young and was able to just like readapt and then go on this long run. Like Usman's 35 years old. You sometimes never know how you react after taking a shot like that. And if you're, able to take a punch like he used to after getting knocked out like that. Because, look, when Chuck Liddell got knocked out by Rashad Evans, the chin was completely gone forever. Like, he never recovered from that. So there's certain shots that when guys get older, they're just not the same anymore. And I don't know if that's going to be that for Usman. It sounds like that they're going to fight at the beginning of next year in a rematch. By the way, I have no problem with an immediate rematch. Usman 100% sure. deserves an immediate rematch. I also think that Usman is a better fighter. Like, I have no doubts in my mind Usman's a better fighter. Leon even said that his legs were shot. His body was not reacting. It was the weirdest feeling he ever had. It just it, it felt like he couldn't do anything in there. So I just don't know if that's going to like give him confidence enough to where he's really going to be able to perform the next one. But this, this honestly, this kind of feels like Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez to me, where the better fighter is going to end up winning in a rematch. And I think Usman definitely wins the rematch. That's how I, I feel about the whole thing. But Man, it just goes to show you how great this sport is. And it doesn't matter if it's the last 30 seconds, the last minute. It It's never over. And Leon Edwards proved that. And you can't take that away, no matter what. He's the one that dethroned Usman. He became the champion legitimately. No matter what happens, even if he gets scorched in a rematch, it does not matter. He is the guy that did it and you can't take that away and props to him. I mean, that guy went through so much crap, like the company just, you're not marketable. We can't put you in a title match. And then like all these different reasons of why they had to cancel. And like, he wouldn't, he wasn't able to fly out of the UK and he almost lost his title shot during the pandemic. And it's just been a big mess. Right. He, he fought Muhammad Bilal or whatever. And uh, yeah. And then ended up, thumbing him in the eye and like, I mean, it's just been a, a disaster for him. And honestly, his dignity was taken away with the two piece and a soda by Masvidal, right? Like he became a laughing stock. And then the Nate Diaz fight happens and he gets close to getting knocked out. And people are like thinking how embarrassing that you almost lost to Nate Diaz when you dominated that fight. And it felt like he almost lost. 
And yeah, that guy still went in there with nothing left and still found a way to knock out Kamaru Usman. Like, you've got to give him credit for that. Yeah, massive credit to Leon Edwards. Um, and it's a it's a heartwarming thing watching him like after the fight on it on FaceTime with like his mom and stuff. And he like he like he's like just smiling and crying. He just like can't stop. Like he can't believe that like this has finally actually happened for him. Because also yeah. we gotta keep in mind he lost to Usman before, non-title before yep. Usman was the champion. Like this is a guy he's lost to before. He was like two minutes from losing again on the scorecards. Um, he threw a perfect head kick. I think this there are a lot of similarities to this in the uh, the Nunez and Pena fight um, because I do think Usman is the better overall fighter as well. But you never know the sports the sports crazy. You never know with injuries and with and with any kind of layoffs or, or personal time or whatever. Like the UFC might want Usman and and Edwards to run it back at the beginning of the year, but like things might change. I mean, like. If 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 Jamayev just like beats the hell out of Nate Diaz, I could see them being like, you know what, like we got to capitalize on this and do do Chimaev and Edwards, and then Usman fights the winner or something. Like I feel like I feel like the trilogy makes the most sense, like obviously. But yeah, and then also I said it on Twitter on the outside looking in. There's Colby Covington, who like I'm not saying necessarily is going to get a title shot right this second, but for him to get another title shot, Usman has to not be the champion. And Usman yeah. is not the champion right now. So, like, so Chimeov, and, and here's the other thing. Another humongous winner in this is Nate Diaz, because if he somehow gets by Chimeov, he has that round five highlight reel of him yep. piecing up Edwards. Yep. You know, I love my favorite tweet of the entire night was Chael Sonnen tweeting that Nate Diaz is the new welterweight champion. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Um, so, but honestly, this fight reminds me the most of Anderson and Chael. Where Chael dominated almost yeah. the entire fight, and then with the last minute or so, he got caught in a triangle and tapped. Like this is very much like that to me, in, in, in that way. So, very fitting for Chael to say something like that. Yeah, and Chael's excuse was so funny. Like how he was talking about how he thought it was. He's like, "Man, it's I thought it was round by round. If I tap out, I've already won the first four rounds. I just lost round five. Like he just had all these excuses, stupid excuses he made." Um, I, yeah. I'll say this real quick. Dana just said today that Colby is looking for a fight and they will likely book Colby for a fight soon. So I think the injury thing about Colby is really over-exaggerated. Someone said that he like had really jacked up his neck and then, of course, Masvidal completely destroyed his jaw and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think I think we're going to see Colby soon. Well, and the other winner in this, like I, I didn't even just mention, is Masvidal. Like you mentioned the three-piece yep. in a soda that's a marketable fight between Usman, sorry, between uh, Edwards and, and Masvidal also. I mean, people consider Masvidal to be 1-0 against Edwards as of right now. So, like, um, even though it wasn't official, obviously. Well, and I definitely don't think that he's Connor or anything, right? But if you're Leon Edwards, you probably were never going to get a Masvidal fight because he wouldn't be willing to fight you because you weren't big enough of a name. But now that you're the champ, you can be like, look, you want this belt, you can come in here and fight me finally, and we can settle this. So he could, if he really wanted to, push for that fight. And it would be a bit like if you did that fight in the UK, Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, it would be a huge fight. Yeah. Well, it's it's like um like when Piotr Jan, I think it was I think it was Piotr Jan who who fought Jose Aldo for the title, and it was like Aldo was coming off of a loss 
against um who did he just lose to he lost oh my god someone in the chat will know he had just lost the decision to me was marlon marias someone like that he had just no uh aldo aldo had lost a decision but he got a title shot coming off of the fight because it was like Oh yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, like okay. The, the champion wanted to fight. Yeah, you know, the yeah. whole the whole point is like, yeah, Edwards. Edwards can, and, and other champions have done that as well. Like, if Edwards is calling out Masvidal, Masvidal's got a shot at getting a title shot potentially. But, yep. but like, if you look at the rankings, Masvidal isn't getting a title shot because like Not he's like, and he's and he lost to Colby too. So it's like you know, so. Yeah, I think they're going to do Masvidal and uh, and Gilbert Burns is what it looked like from what I was. Yeah, saying. that's what they were talking about. I mean, even Gilbert Burns and Colby makes sense too if they wanted to run that. Yeah, Colby's in a really strange. Uh, thank you, John. It was Marlon Marias. That's that's what I thought. Um, yeah. and it's happened before where people have gotten title shots off losses and stuff. Like it happened with uh, Corey Sanhagen after he lost to TJ Dillashaw because, but that that was more rankings based. Um, my my point is more so like the calling out. Um, like even like Yuri Prohaska, like he doesn't have to rematch Glover Teixeira right away, but no. like he's calling out Glover Teixeira for that rematch, so he's gonna get that rematch, you know. Like regardless of who the contenders are. Um, I mean, the thing is though, is like Dana was talking about Usman as like one of the greatest of all time, and I think a lot of people, or even I was, like definitely. Mm-hmm. And so like I just think that he can do whatever he wants. If he wants a rematch, he's getting a rematch. And I I personally think the UFC and Dana believe that Usman is better than Leon Edwards, and they want to correct that as soon as possible. I don't think they've ever been on the Leon Edwards train, and I think that uh, they would love to have Usman get that one back. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It's gonna be cool to see how this all pans out for for the welterweight division because like like you said like we both said you know chameov if chameov, if chameov beats diaz he's going to get a title shot eventually um yep. you know masvidal well, has the thing was is you could clearly see they wanted to build chameov and do him and, yeah. and right. now it's just kind of like on the back burner because what do you do but they right. really don't want to do chameov versus edwards they don't want to do that right so and then once again, I mean, the big an X factor in this is Colby, like who really doesn't, who technically really doesn't need to do anything more to get a title shot because like he's beaten everybody else except for Chimeov, of course. Um, that that really matters at the top of that division except for Usman. Usman's like the only guy who beats him. So Colby's kind of in this really advantageous spot too because it's like. Well, if Usman's not the champion, do you want me to just keep beating all the other number one contenders? Or do you want to give me a title shot? You know? Yeah, I think I think you might have to do Colby and Shemaev if if that's the case. I well, I think I think that that's a, a very a, it's a definite possibility. But yeah. then once again, it could be. I'm not counting Nate Diaz out against Shemaev. Like I know I know it's going to be like Shemaev on paper should win. Like especially with his wrestling, like for sure I get it. But like. You never know. I mean, Nate could go out there and just piece him up on the feet for all we know. Just go out there and just 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 completely just exhaust him with with jabs. I didn't I didn't like the way that Shamaya responded to Burns hanging in there. And Burns isn't a guy that'll talk crap to you like and walk you down. Nate is a guy like that. And I feel like if Nate starts piecing him up and then talking crap to him while walking him down, 
like I think mentally it's really going to mess with them. And then the Diaz brothers have done that a lot. So I, I, I wouldn't say that like he has no chance. I mean, and we just saw Leon Edwards knock out Usman, you know, like yeah. anybody can win in a fight. But I feel pretty confident that Shemayev should win. I, I saw that they're they're booking Tony versus Lee Jingliang at welterweight, yeah. which is kind of yep. wild. Feels like they're trying to like, I don't know, it's part like preserve Tony Ferguson and like give him another chance at like new life in the UFC, or just try to like make a bigger name off Lee Jingliang off of Ferguson because Ferguson's like washed at this point. So it's I think it's more the the first one. I think they're trying to get whatever they can out of Tony and they're trying to give him a winnable fight and just yeah. see if he can win because they put him in with Shemayev and Shemayev destroyed him, the league. Um, yeah. yeah. Easily beat him. So to me, if you actually thought of him as a good prospect, you'd have never put him in there with that killer. Well, no, he, he is a great fighter though. That's the, that's the thing. No, no, is I, like beating everyone else. No, is... I, I agree with that, but I'm just saying like, I don't think they would have ever gave him Shemayev if they, if they thought that he could actually win. And so, to me, this is more of a we're seeing if Tony can at least beat him, and if he can't, then we'll probably have to move on. That was wild because, like, when Shamaya fought um, fought Jingliang, it was like a, a pretty decent like step up in competition at the time, and he just like carried him like in in the octagon, like right in front of Dana and stuff, and was like literally talking to him while he was like beating him up. It was yep, I smish, I smish, yeah, yeah, it's right. uh. It's interesting. Also, what did you think about possibly Aldo retiring? Because he said that uh, the his opponent said that he told him he was going to retire. Yeah. So I unfortunately I missed most of the UFC show when I was at GCW. I heard that right. the Davish Valley and and Aldo fight was just really boring and frustrating. Like Aldo yeah. was just getting held up against the cage. I hope Aldo doesn't retire. He's still like a top five bantamweight right now which is wild. Like, well, he basically said that like, that was his, it, that was his shot at the title. And at this point, there just doesn't seem any reason to keep going. So he's going to retire. That's what he told him is what he said. So mm-hmm. see, see what that happens or not. Sometimes they can also be emotional in the cage, right? Like that's right after fighting. So we'll yeah. see if, if they choose to do that, but uh, it, it'll be, I mean, yeah. legend, legend yeah. did everything. There's no, no reason to uh keep going if he doesn't want to. I mean he's 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 solidified as a Hall of Famer in my opinion. He could fight at 45 again if he wanted to if he doesn't want to deal with weight cutting and he could fight at 55 even if he wanted to. So yeah this is what Marab said on Ariel show. Okay. Well here I listen I've got respect for Marab but that's that's I don't like knowing that because like that's not the way you would want Aldo to go out, like just being held up against the cage. Like I have respect for that fighting style and like Marab won the fight fair and square, but like I want to see Aldo go out against like Adila Shaw or like something like that. Like give me yeah, give me like a real fight between like legends for, for his, his let him out. put somebody away or let him go out on his shield. Yeah, not not like getting held against the cage with his shrugging his shoulders, looking at the ref, like I can't move. I have a question too that I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. So I know you don't like Luke Rockhold, right? Yeah. But like, I thought Luke was on fire this weekend. I thought his stock rose through the roof going into that fight. It, he almost became 
Diaz like because he was just talking so much shit and not being afraid of going after the UFC or anything like really putting it all out on the line and then he goes in there he has fight of the night total crazy war slop fest all that good stuff and then he retires and if you look back at Luke's career I mean former UFC champion former strike force champion overall I think Hall of Famer for sure. Great career. Part of a, an amazing camp. One of the best camps of all time in AKA. Um, so now that he is retired, what, what do you think overall of his, his legacy and, and career? And, and not only that, do you think that he rose his stock on his last fight? Yeah, I think he went out like a warrior. I have a lot of respect for him not giving up against Acosta. Like that was... Yeah. Yeah, he showed a ton of heart. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never legitimately make fun of anybody who who walks into the UFC octagon and fights. Like that's, I I can make little digs here and there because I might like might not like certain pe- people's personalities and stuff like that. Like I've talked about it plenty. I think Luke Rockhold is arrogant, and you know I think that I think he. He, yes, he was the UFC champion. And yes, I think he does deserve to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. But the timing was also like perfect for him, like for him yeah. to win that title. Like, once again, timing is everything for some people. And like, that's same with like when Bisbing beat him for the title. Timing was everything. Like, Bisbing getting the, the short notice shot and, and all that stuff. Like, but I just never like how. with him, too, it's like if he could get you to fight his fight, he was so dangerous. But if he couldn't, then it, he's not at that elite level, right? So if he's stuck standing with you, it's not going to go well usually for him. But, like, if he got you to the ground and he knew how to control you, like, you were going to get destroyed. He's one of the best fighters I've ever seen, like, be able to, like, advance positions on the ground. Fast. Yes. Like, yes. You know, it's very – Like, that, how he finished Weidman was disgusting. I mean, he destroyed him. Yeah. So, I mean, like, once again, I'm going to give him all the credit he deserves as far as, you know, Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame career. I, I agree. I just, I don't like the way that he came off in some of his losses. And I don't like the persona he kind of put up there when he kind of became more of like a Calvin Klein model than like a, than like a fighter for a while and stuff. And I, I just didn't, I, he rubbed me the wrong way for a long time, but, but I, I'm not going to discredit how much hard it took for him to, to have the performance he had on Saturday night. And if I think it's the right thing for him to retire, like he was pretty much retired before this, he came back after like three years and yep. he did way better than most people would do against Paulo Costa. Like it's, it, it was also like fought a killer. Like he, he didn't yeah, just have like a layoff and then just like, you know, I'll, I'll take an easy fight to get like, he wanted a killer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Costa is like a top five guy in the division still probably, if not, he's so, like right there. So question on that as well. Either he's a free agent or he has one fight left. Yeah. If you're the UFC, do you really heavily invest in him still? Or yeah. do you see a, possibly a PFL future for him? Because it seems like that's where these guys are going. No, I think uh, I think Dana's already said that they're working to re-sign Costa. They want to re-sign him. But- I think the biggest thing is he can't hit free agency. Because if he hits free agency, he's going to get an offer that – they're not going to match. See, if I was any fighter, pretty much outside of like a McGregor or like a Lesnar or John Jones, like type of guy, like I would 
I would want to fight in the in the PFL more than anywhere because like if you could fight lesser competition for a shot of a mil- at a million dollars, like that's you're not going to make a million dollars a fight in the UFC. It's so. not even that though. Like they're getting paid huge bank just to fight for well, getting they're, for they're the sure. million dollars. They're getting their per fight, and they're also take PFL also takes care of like their training camp stuff too, for the most part, from what I understand. So like, Shane Burgo said that he's going to be a multi millionaire by the time his contract's up. Yeah, and Dana White was pissed that Shane Burgos yeah. got like slipped through the cracks and, and yeah. signed somewhere else. Um, but what's kind of dirty about that though is it's like he's not mad that they didn't match the offer. He's mad that he ever reached free agency. Right. Like he's upset that the contract wasn't structured better to where he could never hit the open market. That's right. really what he's mad about. It's like Adam Cole leaving WWE and then being like, wait, his contract's up. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like, That's exactly where yeah. it is. And Dana's like, yeah. what the hell? And then they give him the offer at PFL and he's like, hell no, we're not paying him that much money. Are you crazy? So that's basically where they're at. So, I mean, that's the whole reason I, we'll never see Kayla Harrison fight in the UFC because like, there's no reason for her to take a pay cut to fight in the UFC. I think we're getting really close to cyborg fighting in the PFL though. I can see that. I can see her and Kayla Harrison for sure. Because Cyborg, I, and I think I think she can even do that under Bellator contract because I think Scott Coker will let her. So I saw that Cyborg's actually having her first boxing fight coming up. So and nice. then MVP just fought um, Mike Perry, Mike Perry and Bare Knuckle. So it's like they're Mike kind Perry of open him. to it. I know, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> they're kind of open to it. Which, by the way, now they're talking Mike Perry, Jake Paul. Which honestly might not be that bad of an idea. Makes a lot of sense. Um, But it is going to be interesting because I I really feel like that fight could happen. And that's the best fight that Kayla Harrison can get if she's not going to go to the UFC. Especially because she won't fight Nunez anyway because they train together. So, like, she has kind of limited ceiling in UFC if Nunez is there. Yeah. Man, did you see the 10 7 aerial gave uh, Jake Paul? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. And I saw him talk about it too on the whole, or on uh, the MMA hour. He went so. off. He went off. He really protected Luke Rockhold and basically gave Luke Rockhold his props for talking about fighter pay and all this stuff. And then Jake, who's always fighting for fighter pay, is trashing guys that actually are standing up and saying something. And so, yeah, he basically called him out, which. For Ariel, to me, it's like whatever relationship he ends up having with somebody, it usually falls apart. And him and Jake were cool, and now they're not. And I don't know if it's more on Ariel's end or or not. Like I respect him for sticking up for what he believes in, but I also feel like whatever friendships Ariel has on these close fights, a lot of them close fighters, a lot of them end up falling apart. I think it's also a uh, a great example of like w- why I don't engage in like arguing with people on social media because you only have a certain amount of, of letters and words you can put out yeah. there and there it's hard to know the full context and the tone of what you're saying to people. So even when things start off or like who knows how serious Jake was even being with the stuff he was saying and how serious Ariel was initially but they might've even worked themselves into a shoot because by the end of it, they're actually like yelling at each other. Like you're an you idiot. It, you're an idiot. You know, you know like, what came across to me was, is one, I think Ariel had no problem taking shots at Jake because Ariel was part of the promotion 
that the fight got canceled, right? And I think Ariel's starting to realize that this might be a sinking ship. And two, I think that Jake came across as a real casual fan, like a guy that would watch Conor McGregor and all this other stuff, but really have no clue what Luke Rockhold and Paula Costa is to the sport, right? He's just like, oh, these guys, these guys suck, blah, blah, blah. And it just it just came across as somebody that, like, made sure he watched the Conor McGregor fights or the Anderson Silva fights on the weekend, you know, but, like, really didn't know the the prelim guys and the the mid-card guys and stuff like that. So I think that that, that definitely uh, didn't go well for him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's it sucks to see, like, I mean, Ariel has been one of the few guys, like, with, with that kind of clout, especially that Ariel has, like, people got to remember, like, he's got, you know, over a million followers on Twitter and stuff. I mean, Ariel has a big voice, um, and he has been defending Jake Paul way more than, like, anyone with his level of clout in, in MMA or combat sport media. And yeah. so for Jake to kind of, like, turn on him the way that he did, it feels like, whether it's Ariel's fault or Jake's fault, regardless, like I don't think either guy handled it great because once again, you're just you're you're arguing with each other in Twitter uh, comments. Like, right. pick up the pick up the phone or or hit the the call button on Skype or whatever, and like talk person to person instead of like airing this out publicly through text that can be like it could be taken so many different ways in so many different contexts and tones, and that's a big part 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 of like the problem I have with social media in general when. And wrestling fans and MMA fans always like arguing with each other. A lot of the time, these are these are non-arguments that like you think are arguments, and they become arguments. But initially, they they weren't even meant to be. You're just the way that you're perceiving the way things are being said, isn't the context that was even meant to be taken in to begin with. So like, right? It's so I think there was I think it's a lot of miscommunication, and I think um, Ariel probably feels betrayed because he's like, man, I've had your back and suck up for you and like talked about how good you are for the combat sports. And now you're making kind of me and my credibility look stupid for backing you up when you're going to have these kind of takes about a guy like Luke Rockhold, you know? So I get Ariel's perspective for sure. Yeah. And the thing is with him too, is it's like, you can't like you're running out of MMA fighters to fight. You're you can't, you're not even fighting real boxers. Like this is starting and Ticket sales aren't going great. Like you're going to have to come up with something. And I just feel like that it he's in a bad spot and Ariel just added on to it. And then, you know, he's got to be like 10, seven Hilwani and like really throw the flames there. So like Jake is forced to respond more and it just, it just is a unfortunate thing, but it's also, it's part of the fight game. It's always been that way. There's always going to be fighters that get upset and all that stuff. So like Ali, for example, and none of his fighters are allowed to be on Ariel's show because of him and Ariel's beef. You know what I mean? So there's always something that goes down. Real quick, before we get out, I wanted to hit our weekly purchases since I jumped right into AEW. So I got the Wolfpack Hogan. I already showed you these, but I'm going to share them with everybody. Shawn Michaels' Ruthless Aggression. Nice, these are Walmart exclusives, so I had to get it. My wife was kind of mad because I had already got one. And then I was like, I can't leave without getting the other one. And then I ended also ended up getting this, which nice. is a Walmart exclusive. Only one they had. I freaking looked all over for the CM Wait, Punk that's one. A, that's a Walmart exclusive? Yeah. So if you look, it comes with the belt and 
he, the the other one, the unmatched one, has just a black shirt with like the white, which is like this one right here. But this one has like flowers on the shirt. Oh, is is the is the color of the number? And you can the, see Walmart the right. Is it red no. or gold? No, it's just uh, okay. it's just, but it's number thirty three. But like I said, okay. you can see right here on the sticker, Walmart exclusive. Okay, cool. I got to keep a lookout. I didn't realize they were doing that. Yep, Walmart exclusive for the the Adam Page and the CM Punk, and then uh, Brock Lesnar, Ruthless Aggression. Nice. Definitely needed this, and uh, I, I need. They don't make a lot of the undisputed belts, so glad to have the undisputed belts. And when I bought the Hogan from the guy on Facebook, he wanted thirty-five for it shipped. I was like, okay. And then he's like, "Do you need Mankind?" And I was like, "Actually, I kind of do because I have a Cactus Jack, but I don't have a Mankind." So he threw this one in for fifteen bucks. Oh, nice. Yep. So this nice. will go on my Attitude Era shelf. Pretty nice. dope. Yeah, nice little haul. Nice. Yeah, I don't have anything to show uh, right now, but I've ordered a lot of stuff. Um, I can tell you kind of this, some of the stuff that I have on the way. Do, you have my Goldberg um, that you're getting signed for me from Bill Goldberg this weekend, which I'm very excited about. I didn't uh, actually take it out of the bubble wrap because I wanted to make sure that it was That's just okay. protected. Yeah, look good. at that. That Yep, Doug's going to get that. It's form. way bigger than I remember. And it's so nice. It's all, there's a lot of, of room for him to sign, so it should be cool. Yeah, so there's that. Doug should have – I sent him a uh, WCW Bret Hart figure as well that he should get um, tomorrow or uh, or Thursday. So there's that. Um, still waiting on our Randy Savages from Target. Still waiting on our waiting. Amazon exclusives for Goldberg. Um, Goldberg, did you check with your brother? Because Goldberg should be Monday for me. Okay, I got to find out. My brother actually just had surgery yesterday, so he's been like kind of out of it. I'm, I actually took off work tomorrow, so – you know, we're just going to like hang out. Hopefully, hopefully I get that soon. Yeah, I just got the email today, so they, they changed it. So because I've got the – um, so I the same style of figure that that Goldberg is, the Smash and Slam. I already have a signed Scott Hall Smash and Slam. So I've got like a little bit of a collection starting. Like that's the signed Scott Hall. Got the signed Goldberg coming soon. The sign Bret Hart, which is pretty much the same line. It's the same type of figure with like different, you know, carding. And so I found a guy on eBay. I don't even want to say what I paid because I lowballed the hell out of some guy for this. Got this should be here soon. Yeah, That's the match. Signed in red. Signed. Uh, wow. Yeah. So okay. found a really good deal on that. So I'm getting a good, a cool little collection of th those are my favorite figures as a kid with the, with this, like the Smash and Slam style WCW figures. So um, those. And then I also. Um, have a signed Kirk Cousins 8x10 on the way, a signed Mike Tice 8x10 for my brother because he collects like a bunch of Viking stuff. And I just I found Mike Tice as a player uh, signed autograph because he was a tight end for the Vikings years ago. And then um, I also ordered offering side collectibles. I got a uh, – uh, I needed some more uh, protectors for the 1 to 3,000, the, the AW yeah. shops. So I got a couple protectors, and I while I was on there, I grabbed um, Stu Grace and John Silver. So I have all the Dark Order now, and um, also Chuck Taylor because I didn't have him yet. So, um, nice. so yeah. And then I think there's even more stuff that's like on the way. I've been I've been ordering a lot, but it's 
a lot of stuff is going to be coming over the next, you know, few days and weeks and stuff. But that's the problem is they're all hitting at once. Like the Hogan was shipped and then the Shawn Michaels was shipped. And then um, the, uh, the uh, Goldberg ultimate being shipped and the macho man will be shipped. And then all these AEW figures have come out. So it's a, it's a stiff time for the wallet. And I should be getting my WWE ring Mattel Creations thing soon. That's I, Kyle has I, I honestly think I'm going to sell mine. I think I'm yeah. going to sell it. I just, it, no matter what, I should make profit. I paid two fifty for it, and Ooh. they're selling for like six hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're selling for like six hundred, and I'm getting, and the the Macho Man comes separate, so you get the two figures, and then they're going to ship Macho Man later. So if I just ship the whole thing and not include Macho Man, then I still get the Macho Man and then they can have the diesel and the doink. Nice. But I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, but I don't have any place for the ring. Like the, the problem was, is I wanted the ultimate figures and I knew that I could make my money back on those, but I don't know. Just a year ago, it seemed like a good idea, but now if I can make $400 profit or whatever, yeah, probably going to do it. Yeah, it's totally understandable. I'd probably do the same thing. If you guys want a Mattel Creations ring, hit me up. Let me know. I'm, I'm going to have one. I'm not. I'm probably not even going to take it out of the box or anything. It'll come. I'll ship it just the way that it came. There you go. So. All right, man. Hey, real quick. Did you see our punt returner, kick returner? No. Turpentine, baby? No? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that on the football show. Holy crap, Steven. He had a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. He's faster than fast. He only weighs 154 pounds. He's 5'7. And what's crazy about that little son of a gun is he's been playing football literally all year. Like he was in the he was the USFL MVP. He was also nice. in like that fan vote league. He was also oh, like a European yeah. league. That, and yeah. then he got his chance with us. And man, is this dude fast. Oh my God. It gets me so excited. Nice. Turpin time. Devontae Turpin. You are there a Dallas go. Cowboy. <laughs> nice. So. All right, man. Well, that sounds like it's a good time to wrap it up. Man, guys, do not miss AEW tomorrow. Dynamite is going to be so much fire. Going to see a lot of stuff uh, happening. Will Will Ospreay and Aussie Open win to set up some type of Kenny Omega conflict? Who's going to win between Moxley and Punk? Is Daniel Garcia going to join the Blackpool Combat Club? Is this set up Jericho and Brian Danielson? There's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, Dax Harwood versus Jay Lethal. Uh, very, very excited for tomorrow's show. Feels like it's going to be basically a pay-per-view, so... And shout-outs to John. He's actually going to be there live. He's going to the Cleveland show, so he'll have a blast. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, check it out. Also, real quick, uh, The Samaritan with Sylvester Stallone drops on Amazon Prime on Friday, so everybody check that out. Sylvester Stallone's like the goat. And uh, there's some other stuff going on. Also, I can't think of off the top of my head, but it's going to be a fun weekend. So definitely – Look out for stuff as long as stuff. By the way, Top Gun on digital is out now. So I bought that on Tuesday. So today. So I'm excited about that as well. Nice. Follow me on Twitter at fighthawk underscore. Subscribe to fightfulselect.com. Listen to the weekender every Sunday. Got GCW interviews up on the weekender or up on uh, Fightful Select as well. 
So, yeah, we'll see y'all same time, same place next Tuesday, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. For Doug, I'm Steven. See y'all. Thank you for tuning in to Live Rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Steven Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Steven Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes.